3: Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM.
4: Among other things this morning, a story from the international news about when a politician screws up and actually takes responsibility. Great story in the newspapers this morning about that on the on the wires. Good morning. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six is the number. The text to WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. The email. Opinion at 96fm.ie. We have two rounds today, not just one, two rounds of the 10k toy giveaway. We'll do the first one at half 10, second one around about half past 11. All right, so keep your ears open for that. Two rounds today of the 10k toy giveaway on the opinion line. Also, looking at whether we can actually get out of 11, level 5. On schedule in early December. The Taoiseach says there will be a plan, it will be announced and it will be followed. Sam McConkey is saying, Hold on a wee second there, lads. Now, can we actually do this? And there could well be a confrontation between the likes of Neffert, Sam McConkey, the government, and others coming in the next week or two as we try to get out of this five week lockdown. Also, on the schools. Actually, the Teachers' Union of Ireland never actually said we need to close the schools early. They they didn't. They didn't. We'll find out from a very senior official what exactly they did say uh, throughout the course of the morning. First of all, interesting Twitter exchanges over the last couple of weeks. And this is something we've talked about before. And I'm joined on the line by Anna Capeless, Irish international um, rugby player. Uh, It started with Rachel Hewitt, who I think is an actress, and she put a message up on Twitter. I'm writing about women's experiences of harassment while running, from strangers making noises to full-on assault. I can draw on my own experiences and those published in studies, but I'd love to include some more voices. Would you be happy to tell me your experiences? Now, Rachel Hewitt was inundated with replies to that. She's actually writing a book which is due out in 2022 about women's outdoor sport and one of the elements is being hassled while you're out training and anna is based in london and joins me now anna good morning to you good morning you have experienced this kind of thing when you're out running
5: yeah um so the the twitter thread was really interesting um and a lot of things that other women were saying kind of really resonated with me. So, yeah, I I decided to to weigh in and share some of my experiences um, on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, I I feel like it it happens a lot. And like it says in, in, um, you know, Rachel's original tweet about from strangers making noises to harassment, you know, there's just such a large, long scale there that, you know, towards the lower end, people might think that, uh, it's only harmless, or it's only a bit of fun, or something like that. But that's how it grows into something bigger. So, um, yeah, one of the one of the, the the experiences that I that I wrote about in, in in one of the tweets then, just in in response, was just um, I was at, at at home recently in in Mallow in in, in the past few months and was um, going for a run, and <clears throat> someone a, a young a very young guy, like a, a teenager. Um, very deliberately walked into my path um, he had seen me quite from quite comes from quite a, a distance back and then you know looked at his phone and I think it's normal to maybe drift across a, a footpath if you're you know looking at your phone but to mm-hmm. deliberately walk into my path was really really annoying I had to deliberately step out of his way I feel like that happens a lot when I'm running on the roads that you deliberately have to to step out of someone's way that won't move for you. And I think a lot of women on the thread actually said that. And it wasn't something that I would ever really thought of um, before about being maybe, you know, considered a form of harassment. But actually, it is. It's just a very low end of it. Um, and, yeah, I've had, you know, people people calling, people shouting. I found that particularly um, in the summer when you're wearing less you know, less clothes, like short shorts and have your shoulders out, maybe you draw a lot more attention. And I also found that if you're cycling, um, and I'm now I can only speak for myself, yeah. you know, these are just my experiences, obviously, but I found that cycling as well, I think because you're moving away so quickly from someone who's going to shout at you, they don't really have to deal with... Um, you know, with, with you confronting them as opposed to, you know, if you're if you're walking by someone, someone would be less inclined to say something because then there's a chance of you um turning around and saying something. But I have found and especially um I I, I noted that noted that as well in one of the tweets that uh two summers ago I was living in Dublin and cycles a lot yeah. and one particular day and it was happening all summer, all summer long that people were just Shouting as you cycle past, and you know, summer—it's warm. i'd have shorts on, or whatever. Whether that makes a difference or not, I don't really know. But I felt like it did. um And one day, just a a a, a van was parked up on the side of the street, and uh, it's kind of a middle-aged guy and a young guy, and they shouted at me. What I don't even know if they said anything—just you know, hey or something. I don't know and it had been about the third time that day that someone had shouted at me and mm. i was so furious that i slammed in the brakes of my bike and like like stopped to a halt and jumped onto the ground and like turned around and looked at both of them and they were both stood shocked frozen that i had stopped and turned around and they didn't know what to do or How say old and they these were guys, looking at Anna? me I think maybe a, a guy in his um, 50s and maybe a guy in his 20s, just they were, you know, working together, um, I don't know, delivering something or, or would they kind of doing um, work on, on, on the footpath or something at the side of the road in Dublin and just saw me going past, shouted at me, and when I stopped and turned around, they had nothing else to say. You know, they... They, they, they were probably
4: speechless were, that somebody
5: reacted. They were. Yeah, because I think that normally, you know a woman or, or, or whoever it is that, that calls that, if they're on their bike, they'll just continue. That's normal, you know, for to to just mm. continue cycling and all forget about it. That's what I usually do. But just that on this occasion, I pulled on my brakes and stopped and turned around. And I think that they were embarrassed, actually. And like, oh, God, like, yeah. she's she stopped. What do we do now? Like, what, what if I had turned around to them and be like, yes, like, can I help you? You know, what would they have said? They didn't want my attention they didn't want me to come over they wanted to get a laugh from each other i think um yeah. is is what the the primary goal was there and i think that's i think that's um a, a problem
4: they, they were shocked and horrified that you actually responded
5: yeah i mean i'm sure there are many women that might respond but continue to run like i've i've definitely done that as well like maybe um shouted something back i have have done that before like shouted something back um Uh, or just, you know, kind of made a gesture, maybe. But ran on? Does it,
6: Anna,
4: Particularly in terms of the guy in his 50s who would be from, shall we say, a different generation. And if the guy in his 20s... I'm thinking now, God, I don't want to cast aspersions on any kind of profession. But if they were in, say, deliveries or construction or anything, you could have a guy there and an apprentice, we will say. One learning Mm -hmm. from the other. In Mm -hmm. the older man's youth, shall we say, this would have been commonplace. would have been just what they did. And no mm-hmm. harm intended. The older guy probably meant no harm at all. The younger guy is learning from him. Would you accept he intended sure. no harm whatsoever?
5: Yeah, maybe. And, like, maybe that's the case. That, yeah, it didn't mean any harm. But I think in, you know, in the year 2020, I think if you still think that that's acceptable, you're missing something like you've, you've been hiding under a rock because it's not acceptable to to shout at um, anyone, you know, let alone a woman who is alone um, like that hmm. um, so No, no, if, I, I, if that is...
4: of course it's not I'm, I'm saying that there was an old there was a time and it's not very long ago Yeah for, for, for example, you know, you walk past a building site and and there would be a cacophony come down from the scaffolding. Now I happen yeah. to know that four four men on building sites actually will tell even the young lads, don't even think about it.
5: Yeah, and you know, that it's
4: not done anymore. You,
5: yeah, you you're right, and it's definitely it's definitely done less. Um, then, yeah when when we would have seen like I think, I'd, and, be far more, yeah.
4: I'd be I'd be a lot more interested in the in the pursuit of the guy who tried to stop you when you were out running at home. Because that's just downright aggression.
5: Yeah, and I think I think well both both incidents are related really, you know, conversations like this that we're having now mm. I think these need to happen. Um because I think someone who wants to do this you know it's not good enough for somebody just to to not behave this way anymore you have to encourage positive behavior you know so if you're with a friend or you're you know with a a group of of, of work colleagues or whoever it is to to have the confidence to like stand up to them and say you know Sorry, that's not cool. Like, you can find another way to be funny, or you don't need to do that. Mm. Or I think that's they're the conversations that need to Those start happening. Those days are
4: gone, pal. We don't do that anymore. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you know, like you say, maybe it was the done thing, and it's starting to, to fade out now. But it it needs to, you know, look at that Twitter thread. It's obviously not. Um, it hasn't disappeared. It's it's still very rife, and something yeah. like. You know the the incident where you know the the, the young guy walked into my path. I just wonder where where his mind was at. I
7: feel that's like just you know done, of... that.
4: I I think actually, mm-hmm. Anna, that's because in in a way, um, and where I live during the first lockdown this year, the road outside my house became uh, just a, a running track. People were up and down running, running and walking, yeah. and I won't mind telling you, I saw a lot of young fellows just acting the gobshite jumping out Mm -hmm. in front of runners to try to block them you know even though they're on the bus route like just teenage aggression and i said to myself yeah i know i couldn't run a bath for you but if i was running up the road and someone did that to me he'd get the sharp end of my knuckles for doing that
5: would they be less inclined to do it to to a grown man though not not according to what
4: i saw anna I saw men, oh yeah, I saw men and women and these youngsters just "Eh," hopping out in front of them. And like, you get a fright, you can follow, and we have a bus route passes up and down. And they were actually doing it to them while the bus was coming. (laughs)
6: Yeah,
5: I I mean, whether that's, you know, if we're going back to, to, yeah, exercising is a funny one because, um, you know, youngsters like that, they know that if you're exercising, you have to, keep going and you have to, you know, it's not just And you're focused. Your, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You're not just out for your shopping so, you know, you, you can't just stop and confront someone. So maybe maybe it's an issue of, you know, exercising in general where, um, like you say, uh, someone's focused on getting something done that it's easy just to harass that person, whether they're male or female or, or whatever. But I think that, coming back to, you know, the the, the Twitter thread itself, um, I think it's really important to, to just share those stories um, to, you know to yeah. to let people it's not, know that it, that it's it is acceptable. still happening
4: it's a mob it's a mob mentality it's not acceptable
5: yeah i, I yeah Let, I would let people agree with that alone
4: it. let them let them spend yeah. their day do the walk their dog run cycle just if you can't think it if you want to think it don't do it though
5: yeah yeah yeah, but I think you you you'll think it more easily if people around you are ready to respond like i often find um you know if if you pass. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, push construction workers into, you know, the one corner here. But, nope. but that, that it, it can happen. And I, I, I feel like, again speaking for myself, and I, I'm sure um, there are some people that, that might agree with me. But if you're approaching a, a, a group of men that are working on the road, I'll tense up. I tense up, and I when I'm approaching them because I'm, I'm kind of preparing myself for something to be said. Yeah. And often. Often nothing is is said at all, but I do often feel like um, they know and I know that something could be said. Like often you'll find that some, not all, workers will stand up and look at you um, and wait until you've passed. And maybe they're making their mind up as to whether they will say something or not, or maybe they just, they know they won't, they just want to look. But I don't think that's acceptable either, to stand up, stop your work and watch a woman run past. Um, But I'll I'll always say like quite, you know, I'll always say hello, like in a very confident voice to kind of assert myself to kind of show that I'm I'm not afraid. But actually, I've already at that stage like tensed up when I am prepared for some kind of um, um, comment to be made. So I wish that wasn't the case anymore. You know, I wish you could just go for your run and not have to look out in front of you for who's there and be like, oh, my God, are they going to say something? Are they going to do something? Because that is that's the reality, actually, is that. You could go
4: for a run. Does it cut any mustard, Anna? When you're to know that, look, Anna would say that vast, vast majority of anyone who might do that, and look, they're still out there. They mean absolutely no harm at all to you. You have nothing to fear from them. Does that, Anna? I'm I'm making it. I'm I'm making it about you, but in in a general, in a general sense, they mean no harm at all.
5: Maybe not any physical harm, but actually you these people don't know what I'm going through that day, for example. Like gotcha. like that day that I pulled on the brakes. I was so annoyed. I was at my like at the end of my tether at that stage that you know, that caused me to pull on the brakes. They didn't like they, they sent me home in a bad mood. That's yes. harm. That's causing harm to someone. It True. might not be physical harm. True. But True. um you know its its it's wound me up. I've got things to do, I've got you know places to be, and now I've arrived there, and I'm angry that's 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 causing harm fair point. In, in in my opinion very fair
4: point, very fair point. Just the lesson for people is don't do it mm-hmm. don't do it yeah. and if you see someone Absolutely. you know doing it, tell them not to do it and and older I... people who are old enough to know better tell younger people for God's sake, cop on
8: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because
5: the, the, the lesson, you're right. The lesson is don't do it. But I think uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's it's almost easy to to stop doing it now. You know, I think that's kind of the easy easy thing to do. Okay, to decide in yourself. Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. But it takes a, a stronger character and a more special person to stand up to their friends, workmates, colleagues, whatever it is, and say, "Excuse me." You cannot do that around here, or that's not cool, or you know. So it's not just about not doing it anymore. It's Give calling over, out that behaviour. You know, don't be don't be a bystander if you if you see it happening. And I think conversations like this. Are important because they just spur a bit more thought behind it, yeah. and um, hopefully, you know, someone someone who's listening this morning might think, "Oh, I, I, I do Which before. is why
4: I'm coming back to Anna, and and please don't uh, uh, interpret this as anything. As it's, it's why I come back to the thing that you know, it, it may be harmless. The intent is harmless. There is no intention to hurt, intend intention to to cause upset. But you know what? You mightn't intend to cause upset, but it does. So don't do it.
6: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just on the subject, you're, like you said, Mallow. You'd love to get back to Mallow for Christmas. Will you, do you think? Yeah.
5: I have no idea. I'm kind of just taking it li- I'm, like most of us have, kind of day by day, week mm. by week, to see what happens. Um, I'd obviously love to get home to, to see my family, but I suppose I, I was lucky already this year to spend a little bit of time at home. So if if that's, if if that's that, you know, for this year we've had to, you know write off so many things already yeah. this year that if we're if we've to write off christmas as well i'm sure we'll survive oh, <laughs> um, and we'll terrible some... to
4: think of it but yeah you're right you're, you're playing is, you're still playing rugby of course aren't you
5: yes yeah 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 so that's why my my club is here in london um so uh that's that's why i'm i'm, I'm back in london now and we have you know special um uh, arrangements to to travel back and forth to to camps in in Dublin only. I'm not allowed to to just come into camp and fly down to Cork. You know, I did my quarantine to be able to to enter Cork. So um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a funny time.
4: Yeah. How do, now that I have a, a professional uh, sports person on the phone about you know elite sport like rugby, for example, teams are travelling. <laughs> to play games in different parts of the country, and different parts of Europe. How does it work? Let's say, for example, you were going to play a game in Dublin. What's the procedure?
5: Um, it's very strict. Like, everyone that you'll come into contact with or everyone that's in the bubble, in your team bubble, um, has been tested um, has no interaction with anyone outside of that bubble um, and then your opposition will have been the same. Um, so it's all very strict, very controlled and even, you know, it's very different nowadays, you know, kind of earlier in the year, you know, at the beginning of the Six Nations, we were able to sit around and, you know, watch TV in each other's rooms and have tea with each other and or play cards or whatever. And now... Uh, you can't, and you have to stand very distant from people that you're with, and you have to wear a mask most of the time. And um, yeah, it's very, it's very different. But hopefully, you know, won't won't be the new the new normal because yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a bit sad. But yeah, it well, is. I, we'll I guess hopefully... those of
4: us who appreciate having sport, rugby and football mm-hmm. and everything back on the television, we love to have it back on the television to be able to watch it. But we should probably give due credit to the players and officials, how hard they're working to be able yeah. to give us life yeah. support. Well, good luck to yourself. Good luck to Harlequins. I hope you do get home for the Christmas and look after yourself. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks
5: very much. Cheers. That's, well.
4: Anna, that's Anna Capeless. Uh, Plays with Harlequins in, in London. 1850, 715 Look, you probably mean no harm whatsoever. None. Just don't do it. Because you might not intend to do harm, but you can unconsciously or unknowingly do harm to someone, if only to make them feel awkward. Just just don't do it. Remember the last time we talked about this, or one of the last times we talked about this, I took a call from a guy, he wouldn't go on the air, but he ran a construction site with maybe 10 to 15 to 20 workers on it, major construction site, and he said, there was a sign up, we don't do this, just don't do it. And one fellow said to him one morning, how for sure, what harm am I doing? That's the point. You don't know what harm you're doing. So just don't do it.
3: 1850-715-996. The opinion line on Corks 96FM.
9: With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids, the place to order your 211 Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie.
3: Corks 96 FM has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask.
9: Unexpected spot or pimple?
4: No problem, you're covered. Lip sync to your favourite songs without anyone ever
10: noticing.
9: And say goodbye to chapped lips caused by cold winter winds.
10: However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus.
9: Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you from Cork's 96FM.
3: This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call
9: us now, 1850-715-996.
3: On
4: quartz 96FM. So it's been 12 days now till we're due to come out of level 5 on the 1st of December. What structure that release will take? We don't know. We've heard every kind of a rumour from going back down to level 3, to depending on where you are in the country, it could be level 3 or level 2. It might not be the first, it'd be the second. Will the pubs be able to open? Will they not? Will we all be able to go into pennies for woolly socks? Will Or will be not? What's going to happen after the 1st of December? More importantly, what's going to happen for Christmas? What's going to happen in the week that we want to see our families, we want to spend time with their families, what's going to happen. Now, Michal Martin says a decision will be made next week and we we'll know about it then. Tony Holohan, the chief medical officer, says they're worried at this stage because the numbers are not going the way that they should be going. And as we approach the end of Level 5, we really have to think hard about those. Around the world, and I'll go through that in a minute, around the world in some major cities, they are hardening up, let alone loosening their lockdowns. But Professor Sam McConkey, to whom we've spoken many times before, says Ireland can reach 12 cases a day by December if we keep up hard suppression. Uh, Professor McConkey joins me. Sam, I Happy think, dinner. good morning to you. I think what you're saying is we need to keep this going for another two weeks.
11: Yeah, and my hope for 12 cases a day was said about two or three weeks ago before things have deteriorated. As, as we've all heard in the last week, the, the number of cases has, has um, actually increased slightly uh, in our country, unfortunately. So um, certainly uh, two weeks of restrictions, I, I think, are wise. My, my view is, PJ, we need to get these numbers of COVID-19 down enough in Ireland and low enough that we're, we've got the ability to keep it low And and to keep it under control rather than having this cycling of high numbers and then level five and then drop into low numbers and level three and that up and down isn't a great life for the next year or two. So my view is we need uh, to keep it down and and it's much easier to keep the numbers down if they're very low uh, because then we can really thoroughly investigate every outbreak and thoroughly prevent every secondary and tertiary case that arises from each outbreak.
4: We were, two weeks ago, doing very well. The numbers were going in the right direction and then suddenly they're not.
11: What do you think happened? Well, there's, it's hard to know for sure. It could be, uh, there's maybe was socialising over Halloween weekend. Uh, people maybe did more interactions outside of their family home uh, at that time. Uh, so that's uh, a theory. Uh, I, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks they're going to start to, to drop down again. Uh, I think as we're all seeing around Europe and even in America, things going very bad in many other countries, that will help to help people to, to sort of stick together and do, do what we're being asked to do, uh, which is the level five restrictions of not visiting each other in, in homes and, and not socializing and, and, and drinking with people that we don't live with.
4: Yeah, because the, the, the prospect of a Christmas without being able to go to see our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our, brothers, our grandparents, our sisters, our yeah. cousins... It doesn't bear thinking about, Sam. Is there a way that we can do that? Like, keep keep the pressure on and then release yeah. ourselves for Christmas
11: yeah. safely. Um, I, I think you're quite right that culturally and socially these uh, times and Christmas is really, really important part of who we are in our life. And, you know, we as a nation, as expressed by our political leaders who we elected last February, have to decide how, how we're all going to do this together. And then I think we all need to follow whatever they decide on our behalf in our representative democracy. Uh, My my view is that they'll hopefully come down to something like Level 3. That will allow, PJ, the toy shops to open en masse. I hope the toy shop owners and managers then do it really safely. Following the way the supermarkets did back in February, March, April... They fed us very well and very safely uh, with masks as we shop, with two metres away from our neighbours, with queues outside and little yellow lines on the floor to tell us not to queue too close to the people in front of us. And that seemed to feed us. We all got fed. In fact, some of us eat too much uh, during that time. So we know it's possible to do safe retail in a certain way with, with a change in... Things like the changing rooms of staff, the tea rooms of staff, the toilets of staff. You don't want the staff in the, in the retail outlet to, to be a, a source of a, of infection uh, among uh, either the customers. So, so all of that is, is is possible. So, I think we we hopefully will see. Uh, The toy shops opening and and some relaxation of of non-essential retail, Mm. uh, which would be level three. Now, the the, the pubs or restaurants are different because we all know once you get into a pub and a restaurant with people, we all drink a bit and we get a bit closer than we would otherwise. We we aren't very good at following the rules when we're disinhibited and and have alcohol on board. So that's slightly different. Maybe there'll be outdoors, you know, Mm. two meters apart, tables, table service, um, and maybe you know, it's a government decision really, and to balance all these issues on Christmas Day and a few days around that, will they let us down to, to level two, for example, for a few days? So we can mix two or three households together. The way to do that safely, PG would be to have the same two households mixing together on, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and, and, you know, the day or two after. Rather than meeting hundreds of different people in small groups, you actually almost merge two closed bubbles yeah. and that, or maybe three. And, 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 and that would allow us to, to spend the time with our loved ones in a way that celebrates our community, our, our sense of, you know, fellowship, being yeah. together and have a bit of crack. And Cause do you know what
4: I think is really important, Sam, and, and I, I feel that they're all at this stage looking at the prospect of losing the dressing room. The government, Neffet, are losing the people. And if there's a possibility that you have to sit at home and meet nobody on Christmas yeah. Eve, Christmas Day and Stephen's Day, they'll have lost them completely. Yeah.
11: Yeah, that's right. I think there's my, my, my own view is that the only long term way out of this is to follow the example of, you know, 1.5 billion people in Asia and Australia and New Zealand yeah. who, who fixed this. And that is to, to, to go back into some reasonable restrictions in January, get it very low and then using new tools like rapid antigen testing, like the, the vaccines that we hope will come and, and, and prevent transmission, that they will help us to keep it down and to keep it down yeah. at very low levels really similar to where we were back last June we, we did phenomenally well in, in, in June and July of, 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 of the year Did and we get down, over so.
4: excited and come out too fast back then Sam?
11: Well no well, we all wanted to go on holidays in fairness, I wanted to go on holidays yeah. <laughs> so I went down to Cork your listeners I'd be happy to hear and had a wonderful time and it was very safe and very well organised and I spent a lot of it sailing around a wayfarer dinghy in Skull Harbour and Roaring Water Bay with my friend who's close to me and, and you know we, we were far away from everyone, but we had a wonderful Time and it, the restaurants, you know, were were very safe, and so I think we did very well uh, then. But unfortunately, it crept back up. For we, we weren't able to suppress it, so we need to build a really world class population health infrastructure now. That's well staffed, using IT, including the private sector in Australia. For example, they used a, a company called Salesforce, which is a customer service telephone type industry, to do all the contact tracing. And similarly, some IT companies have been helpful in in, in doing the the apps that help us to control it well. So I, I think a public private partnerships could, could could work well, and and I think um, really good outbreak control, we're, yeah. our outbreak at present we're only going back 48 hours of contact testing we need to come back 14 days yeah. and finding out who did each person catch it from you know yeah. the first case in, in Cork, we never found out how they got it, where did it come into Ireland right. there's a mystery there. And we still do we, don't
4: actually know do we? we don't.
11: It's despite, too late now despite to Despite
4: months and months of work.
11: Well, it's hard now, later, but for each case today, I hope we do find out who they caught it from and where it came from by going back 14 days and doing concentric circles of wider and wider PCR testing to look for the source cases and then to make those index cases and look for their source and yeah. so on. Whereas we're not going back enough to find the full chain of transmission at no. present.
4: This is, this is this is the public health model that they followed in Queensland and it's, it's worked for them. And for well, Just on the of vaccines, Sam, we've had... St- some fantastic news in in the last week, week and a half. Now, you know, it's going to be time. There's an amount of time where any of us can roll up our sleeves and and expose the top of our arm to get a needle into it. But the news is good.
11: Yes, and not only have we heard of three uh, good vaccines, but there's five or six others in advanced space. Some of whom I I think will also be, be excellent. Uh, it, it, it depends on, we haven't heard enough details yet PJ about exactly how these work. Do they work for example in 80 year olds and 90 year olds? Because many vaccines aren't as effective in older people and we all know that older people are the most vulnerable to catching this. And similarly do they work in people who have other immune suppressed conditions, you know, with, with maybe cancer, chemotherapy and so on. So we haven't seen that data yet. <sighs> similarly do they prevent deaths? At present they're just here and they prevent symptoms, but do they prevent deaths? We don't know that. Similarly do they prevent transmission? So are these vaccines just preventing disease, but not infection and transmission, because that would allow the virus to continue to spread among the vulnerable in yes, our country.
4: I actually thought of that the other day, Sam, when I was reading an article about one of the vaccines. Fine, if I'm vaccinated I, I won't get sick, exactly, but, exactly. but, but will, will it stop me being infectious?
11: Well, well we don't know that yet. That's yeah. a really, really good question. That is the question I'm asking, and, and that, that is a very sensible question. That data will come out from the vaccine companies, but we haven't got it yet. And and until we know those, we won't know how best to deploy the vaccine in Ireland. Should it be the young, the old? Should it be the more mobile? Should it be the more vulnerable? Because it depends if it's a transmission-blocking vaccine or if it's just a vaccine that ameliorates symptoms. But yeah, there are new tools. Also, the antigen tests that are rapid, you can test your nose before you go, say, playing a a, a football match. Hmm. Test all the 30 players, and suddenly then you can see uh, who's positive. Anyone positive, obviously, you shouldn't play, but it means the others can play fairly safely. If you know that morning, everyone else on the field, including probably the referee, all has an antigen test that's negative. So that would allow maybe more community sports. Yeah, because I know you're a big GA
4: man and and, and love your GA. All we have at the moment is the elite inter-county, but the club players are... Exactly. Desperate to get back, and normal exactly. you know underage players they miss their hurling so much
11: exactly exactly and and I think especially hurling. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's 30 people, but they're running around in a big field, it's outdoors. So I would say the actual hurling match is a relatively safe thing to do in this COVID 19. The problem, of course, is that there's been parties and outbreaks in, in dressing rooms and there celebrations. But that, that's a different area. It's a bit like I feel Golfgate kind of blame the golf inappropriately. It wasn't the golf that was the problem, it was the dining afterwards yes. and the socializing afterwards. So somehow we have to enjoy these outdoors activities and cherish them and value them and do them safely, but then avoid the you know, 50 people in a room celebrating winning the, the county championship, whatever it is. And that's hard because, you know, people are happy if you win, obviously. Yeah. But that, that's the difficulty is being indoors, poorly ventilated, all eating and drinking and celebrating, and a bit of shouting and cheering and singing goes on. And that's all the exact issue that transmit coronavirus more and more. So I think we, we need to get back to the hurling, but avoid the indoor... Uh, sort of celebrations if we can and I know that's maybe not what everyone wants but that, that, that I think is, is going to be the, the next step on the way forward maybe with rapid antigen tests
4: yeah. How close uh, are we to that? Because uh, I'm looking at these private testing clinics opening at the airports and it's, it's, it's expensive but we also spoke a few weeks ago about this test, this antigen it's, it's ten bucks a test how yeah. close are we to those?
11: Uh, So they are using them in the UK and validating them in Liverpool. They're more or less sort of testing nearly all the population in Liverpool. They tested 100,000 people and found 700 were positive. So, and then of course, those 700, they're retesting with the PCR test to confirm it's not a false positive. And then those who are positive on the PCR, they're asking really to stay at home, complete restrictions for 10 days, and their contacts are being tested and asked to stay at home. So I, I see them as commercially available. There are many companies making them. There are some Irish companies that, that also make them in, in high volume. So I think that increasingly they will Uh, come on the market and each one of course has to be validated and be sure that it's giving you the right answer but I I, I think they are here on a a big scale in the world I see a huge
4: business opportunity for someone like say say a hotel that when you check in for your couple of days holidays that went on check in yeah. And they charge you a tenner for it. You need yeah, to take an antigen test before you check in, or
11: that, take that's an, the advantage yeah. of it. Is it's much? It's five or ten euros, as opposed to the PCR test is more like hundred and fifty or two hundred for yeah. the, the reagent. So you couldn't be forking that out every week. Whereas if it's only a fiver every couple of days, that, that that's a more manageable yeah. scale. Even people working in nursing homes maybe should be having that every couple of days. Maybe people working in hospitals could be doing those antigen tests every couple of days to make sure they're not you know bringing it into the hospital to the bulimos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even if I was going to see my mother in Monaghan, maybe I'd be taking it in my nose the the morning of the day I go up to see her to make sure I'm not asymptomatically uh, infectious to her, because obviously she's vulnerable. So using it as pre-screening before we visit our elderly loved ones, you know, is is another reasonable way to do it. So I do see that as a new tool. So these, the vaccine and agent health, they're not a complete panacea solution on their own. Yeah. They're one of a package of control measures, almost like a seatbelt in the car. The seatbelt's yeah. no use yeah. if you're drunk and you're driving at 150 miles an hour. yet you have to do it with other yeah. safety measures. So the contact tracing, the testing, the rapid testing is is still all really important. We, and we, we,
4: we need an armory. Things are a lot better despite all the bad news that that's out there and has been out there. Things are a lot better than when you and I first spoke yeah. earlier this year and you were making predictions of if we didn't tackle this properly, we'd yeah. have huge no, No, the numbers, we've 2,000 yeah. people dead and yeah. it's a terrible thing. But we've done well, I think, Sam, have we? I, I, In I the overall have, picture.
11: Well, what's also very good is on the European comparison terms right now, we actually have one of the lower rates apart from sort of Finland and one or two other places and we're also coming down. Unfortunately, a lot of other European countries are part and, friend, and the United States are at much higher rates than us and, and getting worse. And unfortunately, three or four weeks after that, then the deaths will follow there. So I'm really sorry to say that a lot of uh, Europe is really in trouble. And I fear that our economy will be impacted badly by, because those are the countries that buy our products. So unfortunately, I think economically, there's going to be almost a second hit from when we try to sell our you know butter or Intel chips or whatever we're, we're, we're making and distributing abroad. Th- those countries are going to be economically damaged by yeah. the COVID second wave that they're experiencing now so I, I do think the economic um, impact of this on Ireland you know, is, is, is yet to be fully realised uh, but you're right I think at A Healthwide we've learned so much about this we know it's a virus, we understand tools to control it and we know that we did control it so well in April and May and had a, you know, a reasonable June and July but we need to get back to that again and then to put in place the tools to keep it down, this is the key thing now is keeping it down because yeah. I find these cycles of intolerable waves up and down level 3 to level 5 to level 3 to level 5 but that's not a good it's life. Hard for to. It's very No, we hard can't. we people. can't project that. We can't sell lot as a future to Irish people. It's not yeah. a realistic life for any of us. Whereas if we get it really low and keep it down, which it has been shown to be possible in many countries... A- that the Asian it.
4: countries, for example, parts of Australia.
11: Asian, Asian yeah, Asian and uh, Australia, uh, Singapore has done it very well, Taiwan, South Korea, uh, Japan and, of course, China. China is a very different political system from us. It's, it's a single-party state, which is not our tradition. We cherish our multi-party system and our right to, you know, freedom to speak and talk in, a, in an open way but many countries like Australia, New Zealand and even South Korea and Japan are very similar to how we work, they're similar liberal democracies if you like and they've succeeded in this, so it certainly can be done also obviously the big islands like Greenland and Faroes have done it now, they don't have as big a population as us so I'm, I'm confident that we can do it it's also really interesting, some of the British Conservative Party, uh, David Davis who was the ex-minister for Brexit in and, and Boris Johnson's government, have written in the Daily C- Telegraph recently this week asking England to consider uh, a hard suppression as well and saying that England could follow Australia and asking if Australia can do it why can't England and Scotland and Wales do it and that of course would allow us to bubble up as a country with the island beside us um, and, and, and then have you know, open travel between those two islands and then hopefully my vision is that some of the Canary Islands and some of the Greek Islands will also have hard suppression and then we could go there for the summer time so I think gradually many and more and more increasing European countries are going to go down that route because we're just experiencing that the alternative is so bad yeah. that we're not happy to live in this way.
4: All right, Sam, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's uh, Professor Sam McConkie uh, from the Department of Health and Tropical Medicine at the Royal College
3: of Surgeons. The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With
9: Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota Hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
3: Cork loves the arts. We do too.
9: That's why we bring you The Arts House.
3: Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM.
9: Hi, it's Elmery. Each week, we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around
3: Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs
10: online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmery Mall
3: and Connor
9: Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10, with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do.
3: On courts 96 FM. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
9: Text or WhatsApp now. 0
3: 96, 96, 96 On courts
4: 96 FM. Two rounds of the 10K toy giveaway coming up. Uh, one between 10 and 11, and the other between 11 and 12. Guaranteed to do that twice today. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Now, thousands of us are working from home uh, throughout this. For example, if you take myself, and I'm not, a, I mean, kind of a different example, but I do half my day in here, I do the other half of it at home. Uh, the missus is working at home three and a half days, maybe four days a week. Some people are working full-time from home. Some of the sales team from downstairs in 96. We haven't seen them since March. And the numbers are that there was about 200,000 people working from home at the start of this on a regular basis. That number has now trebled to more than 700,000 people working from home. And, of course, working from home is different to working in the office. And as you look into 2021, many more people will remain working at home. So you need to protect their rights because working from home is different to working in the office. And there are certain things that they need protection for and from. Senator Marie Sherlock of the Labour Party joins me. Labour has brought a bill together, the Working from Home Bill, with certain provisions in it they hope to bring in over the next couple of weeks and months. Marie, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, PJ, and good morning to all your listeners.
4: Now, we are changing. Our lives have changed, and our working, our ways of working have changed. So what protections do we need when we're working from home?
2: Well, I I think the first thing to say, PJ, is that obviously working from home has thrown a lifeline to hundreds of thousands of workers and businesses in in this country over the last number of months. And and it has had advantages. And I think it's important to, 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 to highlight that there has been family, social, and environmental advantages. But of course, there have been many issues. People in adequate workspace, people having to work on the edge of the bed, a failure by some employers to adequately provide equipment. And and we also know from a whole raft of international evidence that workers who are working from home uh, tend to work longer hours, take fewer rest breaks, and that there is that what we call corrosive mental and physical health impact of of feeling like you're always on, that you're kind of unable to switch off. So uh, I uh, uh, authored a bill uh, which was debated in the Dáil yesterday um, which effectively seeks to put in place protections for those working from home. And the figures you quoted there, actually new data came out on on Tuesday night. So we know just close on 800,000 people in this country are now doing some or all of their work from home. And as you said yourself, this this is going to be a a part of the world of work in Ireland, uh, even after the pandemic, well into the future. And so it's very important that we have those protections in place. So our bill does three things. Firstly, it ensures that employers have to make proper provision with regards to a workstation, so in terms of a desk or a chair or whatever else is necessary in terms of equipment. Uh, Secondly, that there is a payment in respect of uh, allowances um, and covering the cost of utilities, because what we've seen is a transfer of... uh, the cost of running an office from the employer, uh, onto the shoulders of the worker because they're now at home and they have to pay for the broadband and the heat and light and whatever else. And the third element is uh, a right to disconnect and uh, I suppose with the, you know, the, the the growth of electronic communications, we all many of us have our email on our phone now, and you know we're instantly contactable. Um, those lines have been blurred between work and home, and so we have said that in the um, as number of amendments need to be made to existing employment legislation, which effectively set out that an employer cannot require a worker. To um, uh, respond to electronic communications after hours, yeah. and if they have to do that, that it counts as part of working time.
4: Counts as because there is a, there is a problem when you're working at home, and people have said this to me: like five o'clock never comes.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly like as, as somebody said to me memorably. You know, it's not so much they're working from home, but living in the office, and yeah. I think many of us could identify with that. And, and so, you know, we we know that flexible work is going to be a huge part of the future of work. And you know, I'm 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 here sitting at home with three small kids, my babies downstairs. And you know, I'll be after the, the kids go to bed tonight. I'll be I'll be back working at the desk. So it is to recognise that we do need flexible working, but we need to put the protections in place first. And uh, and and certainly um, that. We know that many workers feel under pressure to... to, to, to I, I suppose, be always available. And particularly some very interesting research coming out of the, the United States that, you know, if people are not in the office, um, if they're working from home, on average, they tend to get fewer promotions, less of a pay rise, yeah. and they're considered to be taking their work less seriously, even if their work output is just the same as somebody who is actually in the office. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, 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 we do need to set those boundaries, um. I think the other thing to say is as well, just you know, with regards to the 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 workspace and and the allowances. Yeah. People you know,
0: don't they, all,
4: they don't often have a lot of space. Sometimes in-
2: they, they, they don't, and particularly like as in you know, if, uh, those living in urban areas, you know, t- three bed semi D, you know, is not built uh, for, for to, to include a home office. And so many people have told me that they're literally working on the edge of the bed. I think the the, the really interesting thing about this is that there is a raft. Of uh, and very extensive health and safety legislation governing employers' responsibilities towards workers in the workplace. So in terms of, you know, that your laptop, or not your laptop, but your screen or your keyboard mm. needs to be tiltable and non-reflect, you know, doesn't reflect light and, and all of that or mm. it doesn't have plus, a layer. Plus the other the that, other thing is... In, that goes back to a, a, another age in some ways where people had yeah. desktops. Yeah. And I suppose we need to kind of, uh, you know, wh- when regulations are not enforced, because people are working at home and the health and safety legislation isn't enforced when, when people are working from home. We we, we we do need a new protection which says that employers do need to provide.
4: The other thing is and, and quickly, your heating bill goes up when everyone's at home. Simple thing.
2: Well, you know, I've had a number of people contacting me where, let's say, they're living in shared accommodation at the moment, and and, and they have a real dilemma because there's four people. There was one person the other day who we met who said there's four people living in a two bedroom apartment. Three are working from home. One goes out to work. How do they share the bills? Because obviously, the three people at home all day are racking up a, a higher heat and light bill then would otherwise be the case because they would previously have gone into the office. And that is an issue and and I suppose the key thing is, you know, is it fair that workers who are working from home have to shoulder all of those costs and particularly broadband and I know certainly there's a huge issue with access to broadband. And and uh, and the
4: bill I think Puts a provision in place for an allowance that that someone having to work from home would be able to claim from their employer. Their employer would be obliged to give it to them. Marie, I'm going to have to leave it there for no reason other than time. Thank you for taking our call, as Senator Marie Sherlock of the Labour Party, with their bill going through the araxes at the moment, making provision and allowance for people who face working from home right into and. Probably throughout 2021. Thank you, Senator.
3: The Opinion Line on courts 96FM.
9: With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota Hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on courts 96FM. <laughs> Yeah,
4: 1850-715-996. The number. Thanks to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. Remember, we're doing it twice today. We'll do it for the first time in about 20 minutes.
3: Text or WhatsApp now on 83 396 96
9: for your chance to play our 10K toy giveaway.
3: Corks 96FM. You will hear the, that's the cue to call,
4: but you'll hear that again at around about half past 10. All right, half past 10. Then you text or WhatsApp to 83 396 96 and take part in our competition. All right, we'll ask you a question. If you get the answer right, you go through to the draw, and Lorraine will do the draw after 6 o'clock this evening. Actually, one of our participants won last evening, so they did, with Lorraine on the big drive home. 1850 715 Let's have a look at some of the comments that have been coming in on our various pieces of, uh, of content this morning. On Professor Sam McConkie. As you were talking, PJ, it struck me. A lot of people are on their own at Christmas. No family or relations. This is their reality all year round. So it wouldn't kill us to do the right thing this year. It is their reality. It shouldn't be their reality. And anybody who knows anybody living alone, one of the nicest things you can do is try to include them at Christmas. Visit them, invite them over for a cup of tea. Just, you know, acknowledge the fact they're on their own and try to make it easier for them. And if we're not living under harsh restrictions at Christmas, we might be able to do that, even if it's only calling to them and having a socially distanced cup of tea. Hi PJ says, Jerry. they've now found in England that schools have been a conduit for the virus to spread into the family home and communities. We've no accurate data here about schools as there's no contact tracing and where there is, it's often too late. It's no coincidence that cases have risen since the schools reopened after Halloween. So there's the argument for an early school holiday with an extension of the school holiday to keep the numbers down. <clears throat> this thing about there's no there's no argument or there's a co- no coincidence that cases have risen since the schools reopened after Halloween. There's also no evidence to connect them. There's no actual hard data evidence to connect them, Jerry, and let's be very careful about that. Kate says the supermarkets were and have been very safe. I can't understand why the restaurants cannot be opened with safe sanitation procedures. In fact, it can be done, and it's terrible seeing all the restaurants closed. And, of course, the usual pylon that you now get anytime Sam O'Conkie's voice comes on the radio, pylon of nonsense on Twitter. Sam O'Conkie has been on this program many, many times over the last few months, and when you listen to him, rather than deliberately misquoting him which they love doing on Twitter and they love doing when they stand on their stupid little platforms down in Don Square he's been right far more than he's been wrong what he's telling us is these are good times with a vaccine on the way but we might need to tighten up a little bit more into December to try to get Christmas out of it he just like me, just like you wants to get Christmas out of it but we may not be able to do it without taking great, great care he wants to get back to sport. He wants to get back to normal life. He wants to go to see his mum up in County Monaghan. He wants to be able. To, he wants antigen testing available to let us get back to our lives. He's an expert in tropical and international medicine. So there you go. Let's have a listen to the man rather than spoofing about him on on um, on social media because. To be honest, it's it's nonsense what's out there. Uh, and I'm listening to him getting a, an awful doing on, on social media. He remains someone we will go to on this show whenever we need to. 1850 715 On Anna Capeless and my interesting conversation with Anna at the top of the programme about being harassed while out jogging or running or cycling, Kate says these people want attention. They want to stop. They want you to stop the bike They want you to remonstrate with them. They could be admiring you, but they know no other way of expressing it. John says, as long as there are men and women, they will notice each other. The laws of attraction are there. I think some people know how to be respectful and others don't. I don't mind a conversation about respect, but don't ruin it for everyone by making people afraid to notice and compliment just because of a few uncouth fellas and perverts. We need to be careful how far we take this. Dennis worked in a factory. My whole career I was shouted at. It's just a lack of education. People in general need to be educated on how to approach people. Another caller on the phone, her 19-year-old's a keen runner and she has experienced issues with women being a bit nasty and not being kind. It's not just the men. Women body-shaming other women or commenting on what she is wearing. And as a male runner, I said this to Anna about people jumping out in front of runners and joggers. I've seen it with my own two eyes. As a male runner, says this caller, I've had the teenagers deliberately step into my path. Now, I'm over six foot and 90 kilos, kilograms. They'll end up on the floor if I collide with them. Very intimidating, though, for people who face that regularly. And then absolutely unacceptable that women and girls still have to put up with this. Good response there to, to Anna. And on working from home I was talking to someone working from home and they said it's not worth the hassle of claiming expenses off your employer because the only person who will benefit is the tax man. eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Now on the subject of people being alone at Christmas I think it was a rose that your message. Good morning.
8: Good morning PJ. Do you know just when you were talking to the professor there it just hit me you know that, um, you know, we nearly get panicked you know, when we think that we can't go places or people can't come into the house. And all of a sudden it just hit me, like there must be loads and loads of people who are on their own all the time, no family, no friends, or, different, or no um, relations, you know, Indeed. for di- due to different circumstances. And this is their reality, like, all, all day, every day, regardless. And, um, you know, like we think it's such a terrible thing now, but we're inclined to forget people who who just haven't anyone, and this is their reality. And, you know, maybe for the year, that we just cut it back a bit and try and get back to some kind of normal. Well, you there's know, no, there's no the doubt the we'll world.
4: have to cut it back a bit. And there's, yeah, no, there's yeah. no doubt that we won't be able to have 15, 20, 30 people no, in no. around the house during the day. But we'd all love to get back to the basics of having our brother or our sister call well, over would, for a drink Christmas morning. N- you
8: know? Not everyone has that.
4: Agreed, agreed. You agreed. know
8: what I mean? And you are be inclined to forget it. And maybe it would make us more conscious of people who haven't anybody, you know, in future. And, you know, it's like the end of the world. But, you know, maybe our end of the world now might be the reality all the time for for other people.
4: Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing, too, that we kind of learn a bit about loneliness.
8: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, know, it just just hit me that like what, what most people would take for granted isn't always what other people have you know yeah. and you know we might say oh sure look they're used to it or you know or the, or the people themselves might say I'm fine you know because but like the reality of that situation isn't very nice you know yeah. you know not to have any close family well, or relations well, you know? well,
4: well my old friend Paddy O'Brien who, who I hope is well uh, haven't yes. spoken to Paddy in a while Paddy always, yeah. Patty always yeah. says that loneliness kills more people than cancer
8: I know, and it's only now... Which is a, that a very
4: hard thing to, to, to understand.
8: It is, and I think it's only now that it, we're really, you know, we knew about it, and, you know, we, everyone would try and do their bit, but, like, we're living it now, and we, we, we're experiencing it, and it's a totally different thing, yeah.
4: isn't it? Have you when, had personal experience yourself, Rose? No, I haven't,
8: but I I have known people, you know, who who just are on their own, and they might choose to, to be on their road, and some people might say I love being in my own house at Christmas and that but maybe other people wouldn't yeah and maybe it might just make us uh, be that bit away like I'm in an area where there would be quite a few elderly people yeah. you know yeah. and um, you know their families might be away somewhere they might be in another continent but they, they mightn't have anyone left at all and I think or you know, they might be
4: estranged from their families
8: they might be there could be several reasons and you know I think that uh, now that we've experienced it ourselves, what it's like to be a bit cut off, maybe to make us reach out that little bit more to other people. And it's up to them then if they want to accept it or not, you know. But it's nice to be asked to, you know, and to be included and give them the option.
4: I know. Now, listen, that's that's a great call. Thank you very much, Rose. Let's just be aware of the fact that the loneliness that we sometimes have experienced through lockdown or the relative loneliness, lonesomeness that we find with lockdown—that's somebody's reality all the time. Maybe we could learn that. Great point. Great call, Rose. Thank you. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. Let us go to Michael Gillespie, who's the general secretary of the Teachers Union of Ireland. And Michael, I appreciate that you've taken time out to speak with us. You're on your way into the Doyle uh, yeah. to, to, to make some very important points about the situation in schools. So so what is the worry that your union has with regard to the way schools are handling uh, COVID-19?
1: Well, I suppose where we're at now is schools have been very very successful in in uh, you know making sure that the rate of COVID in schools has been very very low, more successful than maybe our counterparts uh, you know in the likes of Israel where they had to close schools very quickly after they opened. So the Teachers, students and parents are adhering to the rules. They are, the social distancing, the physical distancing is being applied, the washing of hands, the wearing of masks, which is what's the most difficult thing. If you can imagine, it's very hard to teach and learn through a mask all day. But in fairness, everybody's doing it. And we've kept COVID low in our schools, very, very low, actually. So it's been successful. But if you look back what we had to do in August, we had to strip out all our schools every way we've been teaching for the last 20 years in the has changed. We've gone backwards in, in certain ways like that to keep the schools open. In, at the midterm break, teachers had to go in to swap around the sanitizers. So it's been a very, very trying and difficult time. But we've managed to keep the schools open. Now, we have to sustain that. Uh, we, ca- we, ca- we have to be careful that we don't get overexcited about the, the vaccine. The vaccine may not be available till next summer. So we're going to have to look after the class of 2021. Uh, they're going to have to be facilitated their exams. We're, we're going to be entering the winter now, where we've been very dependent on opening windows yeah. to let you know for ventilation purposes. That may not work as much now. I mean, there's not much point saving everybody from COVID, and we all get pneumonia. Um, so we're going to have to look at new ways to do that. Resources that are being paid up until Christmas have to continue into the new year. You know, PPE, the medical grade masks for the people who needed you know, special needs assistance, etc. So there's a lot of stuff we need to be guaranteed uh, mm. from government going forward. And, and we, we had the debacle
4: the with the Leaving Cert and Junior Cert this year. Do, yeah. we, do we have to start planning now, Michael, for Leaving I Cert think 2021?
1: So. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we had the on again, off again last summer. We've got seven months now. We've, we've learned an awful lot. Uh, at the moment, for example, schools are open till nine o'clock at night. You know, people who've opted in from the class of 2020 are doing their exams and they're doing their exams every evening and every Saturday and Sunday right up to the 11th of December. Uh, you know, schools are doing things that they've never did before and we, we should learn from that we can see how, you know how that's going now it's it, it, we're lucky in one respect it's smaller numbers than they expected but that still doesn't mean it can't be a learning experience and all this can then feed into the way we do the exams next um june and you know we we're we want you know we're we're hearing stronger message now from the government you know uh you know they're they intend to hold the exams but we need concrete plans, you know, how is this going to be done, the timetabling, we've got seven months to do it, let's do it now and let's give certainty to the class of 2021. The class of 2021 is equally now, is the most important thing for us, as was the class of 2020. The class of 2020 is, is out the gate there, you know, in college, not college maybe the way they had anticipated, but they're through the gate. Now we have to look after the class of 2021, the junior certs, the leaving certs, the LCAs, Give them certainty.
4: Yeah. Now, in the last 24, 48 hours, your union has hit the headlines for a particular reason to do with the Christmas holidays. And let's let's get it straight here now, Michael Gillespie. Do the TUI want the schools to close early for Christmas? What we
1: said was we said that this merited consideration. It it was in response to, we'll say, there had been a, a call from a, 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 a party in the Dáil who said that it was worth considering that it, there was a petition and we'd been asked questions about it. And we said it merited consideration for a lot of reasons. Obviously, if you close on the Friday as opposed to the Tuesday, you're gaining four days. You know, if, if if you're so minded to isolate 14 days later is New Year's Day and maybe you could do something with your family, you know, because the medical advice is you must isolate for 14 days. We also said that the Monday and the Tuesday were not high educational days. They were days that traditionally you had the school play, the talent competition. We were all in school and we looked forward to that last day. Unfortunately, that last day is not going to be that experience for most schools now because of COVID. So we were saying it, it merited consideration. We, did, we weren't demanding it or looking for it. It, got, it, got, it, it gained legs. Um, and, and we still think it, it, look, it merited consideration uh, but either way our members are willing to, will be working right up to the last day and depending on what the medical advice is or the, the decision of government, to, uh, teachers will cooperate with that decision.
4: Alright, listen, good to catch up and to get the accurate version of that report. That's the General Secretary of the Teachers Union of Ireland, Michael Gillespie. Thanks Michael, 1850 715996, and he's heading into the Octus Committee on Education so thank you for your time. In particular, busy man this morning has been stuck in traffic trying to get stopped to take our call. Thanks, Michael eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I am the subject of those school holidays and the TUI not calling for it, but saying it merited consideration. The point he makes, and you got to say he's not wrong. The Monday and Tuesday before people pack in, there's going to be nothing done. Like it's not like you stood in for a PhD. There'd be do. Pretty much nothing on the Monday. And sweet nothing on the Tuesday until they finish at 1 o'clock for the half hour or 12 o'clock for the half hour on the Monday. So what's the point of being there? They'd be doing nothing. They'd normally be doing plays. There won't be a play on. They'd normally be doing a party. There won't be a party on unless a very limited one. So what is the point? It's not like they're going to be doing anything in that Monday or Tuesday that will have a, an impact on the rest of their education. So, why not just pack up on the Friday? For the sake of it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine
3: nine six. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. With Lehan
9: Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This
3: is Quartz. Gold, Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Text
9: or WhatsApp now, 0833
4: 96 96 96. On Courts 96 FM. Oh, 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 I appear to have pinched a nerve, people rearing up at me. But if they close the schools early, PJ, how will we organise childcare? It's a very valid question. It has to be said. But you know what? Come here. Listen. Your school isn't your babysitter.
3: Corks 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. With Johnson and Parish, Douglas, Bishopstown, and Mountain Point. Put
9: 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. I can't do that with-
4: We had a winner yesterday from the opinion line. We had Kelly Johnson won yesterday in the draw with Lorraine just after six on the big drive home. I wonder, can we do it again today? Let's go this time to Ballinure Place in Mahan. Brian. Hi, Peter. How's it going? Not so bad, sir. Brian Rafferty. And tell me something. Your girls would run out and buy what? A big giant trampoline. A big giant trampoline they weren't listening to Stephen Donnelly during the summer so we're going on about trampolines <laughs> remember that no
11: <laughs> alright well, no,
4: you know the drill what age are yeah. they by the way
11: uh, 3 and the other ones almost uh, 10 months
4: I think that. well certainly maybe for the 3 year old the, the answer to this if you don't get this you'll be disowned alright ok <laughs> uh, this is the question the answer is A or B alright mm-hmm. Paw Patrol features Ryder and what kind of animal? Dogs. Yes! I was getting worried about you for just a, a second. Yeah, no, and
11: they the all around my house,
4: all the figures. I Oh, are they? You're a big Paw yeah. Patrol house. Oh, God bless you and spare you. All right, well, look, what happens is you go forward to the draw now. All right, and Lorraine makes the draw after six. Okay. And as they say in all the best programs, it could be you. Brian, Thank you very much, Peter. Cheers, take care. We've got all your details and hopefully you'll come out of the draw drum this evening with Lorraine on the big drive home after six o'clock. It's course 96 M 10k toy giveaway with Johnson & Perrott's Douglas, Bishopstown & Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie and a reminder to you that Smith's Toys Superstores is still open for click and collect and for home delivery during the lockdown. 1850 715 Another one between eleven and twelve.
9: Access all areas on
3: Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on
12: Corks Entertainment. Triskel Arts Center presents in association with the National String Quartet Foundation a season of quartets featuring performances of Beethoven String Quartets in celebration of the 250th anniversary of the composer's birth. Further details on the tickets can be found online at TriscalArtsCenter.ie. Access All Areas. Tickets are now on sale for especially string. New Year's Eve show at Cork Opera House featuring one of Ireland's best singer-songwriters Mick Flannery. It's part of an online program of events coming up at the Opera House between now and the end of the year with further details available at CorkOperHouse.ie Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show or any live streaming events by emailing AAA at 96fm.ie
9: Access all areas. Your
3: guide to nightlife on side
9: On Cork's 96FM. We're now at the business end of Brexit. If your company trades with the UK, visit bankofireland.com forward slash Brexit or call our Brexit helpline on 0818 200 348 for information on supports available. Because Brexit is now. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. It's been a mad year but every year deserves a Christmas and at Dunn Stores, we know Santa is still on his way so break out mum's signature stuffing recipe get some turkey carving tips from dad and deck the whole family out in matching festive PJs yes the whole family this year needs Christmas like never before make it magical with Dunn Stores Dunn Stores make Christmas for everyone visit Dunstores.com.
3: Don't wait. Get Black Friday discounts online now at Harveynorman.ie for click and collect or home delivery. Save 280 Euro on the Samsung 65-inch
4: 4K Smart TV. Only 719. Or save 250 Euro on the LG American Fridge Freezer. Just 1299. And at Harvey Norman, we're matching all competitors'
3: prices. So why shop online anywhere else? Now's the time to buy Black Friday online at Harvey Norman. Don't miss out! Our stores remain open for home appliances and essential technology until 6pm daily.
1: Your average reindeer could run 5k in 4 minutes 17 seconds. But we don't expect that from you. Aware's Christmas 5k takes place December 11th to 13th. Pick your own 5k route and support Aware's vital mental health services. Sign up at awarechristmas5k.com. Proudly supported by Cadbury. Use of elf pacemakers and fairy
13: dust strictly prohibited.
3: This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call
9: us now, 1850-715-996, on
3: Cork's 96FM. We will be coming back to
4: the nursing homes issue in just a few minutes. You remember Catherine Mahanbukti was on with me yesterday, and another man rang in called Mick about, you know, having a loved one in A nursing home. We promised we'd get more on it and we will do that very, very shortly. But first of all, worry expressed in the last while about uh, children not being given the flu vaccine. Um, And indeed, Dr. Nuala O'Connor tweeted the show in the last half an hour or so, tweeted the opinion line to say that there's a lack of uptake uptake for the children's flu vaccine, which is the, the nasal spray one. So we said we'd get a quick chat in with Dr. O'Connor. Nuala, good morning to you.
14: Good morning, PJ.
4: There is a lack of update. Is it because it's there for the first time? Is it because people are nervous about vaccines? What's the, the reason, do you think?
14: It, it's hard to know, I suppose. You know, we've had a funny situation this winter in that we've had a massive demand for the adult flu vaccine um, and not enough of it. Um, and this, The children's flu vaccine, I think it's a new vaccine um, in, in, the, in, an, in terms of it's a new to Ireland, but it's not a new vaccine. It's been licensed for over 15 years and there are millions of doses of this vaccine have been given worldwide. Um, the UK has been immunising uh, healthy children with the flu vaccine since 2013 um, and so I think there's sort of a bit of a, of a mixture of things perhaps going on there, a lack of awareness, maybe a certain amount of hesitancy. Uh, but you know, influenza can be quite dangerous in children, uh, young children in particular at high risk of developing uh, complications like pneumonia and ear infections and inflammation of the brain, especially children under five. And if you look at over the last 10 years, nearly 5,000 children have been admitted to hospital in Ireland with influenza and nearly 200 to intensive care. And sadly, there have been 40 deaths in children from influenza. So it's not that, you know, it can be quite a serious illness in children. Yeah. Um, and this vaccine, I mean, it's available free to all children aged 2 to 12. It's not an injection. It's a little spray uh, up into both, in both nostrils. So very, very simple to give. Um, very little side effects. Some children, about maybe one in ten, one in twenty, might get a slight fever. You know, in the twenty-four to seventy-two hours afterwards, you just take paracetamol, ibuprofen. No need to have a COVID test. Mm. But the other advantage to this is that we know, unlike COVID, which you know, as you know, that tends to spread in adults, not so much among the children. But influenza, it spreads among children. So if we can actually protect that, you know, if um. That 2 to 12-year-old group, what happens is, is that it protects the older adults in the household, the grannies and the granddads, mm-hmm. and it also protects the children under two years of age.
4: Right, right, because that cohort, one thing they're not going to do is bring it in.
14: Exactly. They're not going to bring it in. And uh, so it's, you know, it's it, it's there. We've lots of it. I mean, it's amazing. We just do not have enough adult vaccine and we have loads of this sitting in our fridges uh, yeah. in GP surgeries. Uh, oh, most practices, about, you know, 20, maybe 25% of people have, have, have taken it. And even when we contact them, they're, oh gosh, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of heard about that, but I hadn't really thought about it. Kevin so, has I, a
4: very good question on Twitter, Nuala, here. Could this be done through the schools, perhaps?
14: I I think it's a very good question. It's something that we asked ourselves. But when you think about it, the schools program is normally administered by our public health doctors. Okay, so like many other parts of of the system, we don't have enough capacity uh, with terms of public health doctors because they're very involved in all the contact tracing and the COVID-19 work and they're also catching up on the cervical cancer vaccine and other programs. So it was because GPs normally do all the adult vaccine, uh, it was felt that it for this um, programme, that we would distribute this out through general practice, and as you know, most GPs have been doing uh, surgeries um, and clinics for flu vaccine at the weekends and after school hours to facilitate parents uh, so at this stage the vaccine also doesn't have a very long shelf life, it only lasts about 5 or 6 weeks so if you, it's really important that we actually use up this vaccine and yeah. get as many children vaccinated as possible, particularly before we sort of open up um, um, and come out for level 5 and over the Christmas period because traditionally the flu tends to, what happens with the flu is it spreads from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere and well, luckily, there hasn't been a huge amount of flu worldwide this year. So fingers crossed, things may not be so bad. Yeah. But if we have people coming into the country, um, you know, the flu then can spread uh, uh, quite quickly because it tends to come in from other countries with travel, um, hopefully, around, uh, hopefully around Christmas time.
4: Yeah, the Southern Hemisphere has had a, a, a not a very serious flu season, possibly down. Or would you say it's down to the provisions we're putting in place to avoid COVID anyways, distancing, masks, yes. that kind of thing?
14: Yeah, but the other thing is that they're very active children's influenza programs as, gotcha. as well. Gotcha,
4: so, gotcha.
14: So, so you know, we have this opportunity. And in the UK, okay, so in our nearest neighbour, so they've been doing this since 2013. It was a 94% reduction in admission of children to hospital with influenza. Wow. Now, I mean, it's amazing. Like it's, it, it's actually more effective than the adult vaccine. It's an incredibly effective vaccine. Um, uh, so it, this is, you know, I suppose maybe it's just got confused in the midst of everything else because there's so much about COVID and so there much is about other so stuff. Going on. I think may, perhaps uh, people haven't appreciated and maybe we haven't done enough to communicate uh, uh, about this vaccine. But it, you know it's a really good vaccine. It's a preventable disease. I mean, if we could prevent... Uh, children being admitted to hospital intensive care and even if we can prevent one death of a child you know, with, with a vaccine that's safe that's effective, millions of doses of it have been given worldwide and it's not even an injection, it's yeah. a spray in your nose. Yeah. It's,
4: a bit, like, so it's my, a bit like, do you remember we got the sugar drop long ago for, for polio Exactly, sure.
9: polio. Yeah, Polio is
4: eliminated did. now. But while I have you there um, Nuala, I know. Ask you to put on your hat for a second as the the uh, College of General Practitioners COVID nineteen lead because I wanted to ask you in terms of the numbers that were we hoped for with the level five restrictions. Any thoughts on why they're not going the way we wanted them to go?
14: Well, they were coming down very nicely for a few weeks, and in the last week, they've kind of plateaued. Um, And uh, the reason really is is, is quite simple is that not enough of us are adhering to the public health um, advice for Level 5. Uh, this virus loves people. Um, it, a, it spreads when people spend too much time within close contact of each other. So a, it, it's all about getting back to the basics. Uh, you know, anyone who has symptoms of an infection, uh, they must go to work. We've seen quite a lot of, of, of outbreaks in, in workplaces because people with mild symptoms, you know, people say, oh, the work is depending on me, I really need to go in, I, I need to help out but actually you're not helping out so if you have even very very mild symptoms of infection you must stay at home I contact your GP if your GP then sends you for a, a COVID test, not only must you stay at home, but everybody within your household, because they could be growing the virus inside mm-hmm. them and they could inadvertently spread it to somebody else. So then they must stay at home. Then the next thing is that if you're identified, if somebody's positive, and you're identified as a close contact, you feel perfectly well. But you could be growing that virus so you must stay at home and you must stay at home for the full 14 days. Even if you test negative, you've heard me say it before yes. if you had 14 negative tests 14 days in a row you still must stay at home because you could be the person who's spreading that virus and as we know now some people get no symptoms at all so they could be spreading that virus. And that's what's happening, it's spreading from people to people. When we look at the at where the um, the numbers are coming from the vast majority of them are still coming from spread within households and spread within the community so somebody's mixing with somebody else in the community um they're picking it up from them they're bringing it into their house and it's spreading among their house okay. that's how this virus spreads so you know, we have a, we have two more weeks just 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 two more weeks um uh before we come to the end of level 5 and we all want to be able to open up from level 5 we want to be able to have more freedom at christmas and and to do that we just need to double down absolutely um concentrate our efforts in the next two weeks on minimizing our social contact uh, with
4: other people. Okay, listen, thank you for that and thank you for the update on the children's flu vaccine, which is free, uh, kids between 2 and 12, available from your GP, completely safe, too little tch, tch, up the nose and all done and dusted. Get it, it's free. Thank you. That's Dr. Nuala O'Connor from Elmwood Medical Practice in Douglas and also the uh, College of General Practitioners COVID-19 lead, which is why I asked her about the numbers. Do you hear what she said? We need to buckle down hard for the next two weeks and Do what we're being told Interesting to see the level of traffic On the roads It doesn't feel like level 5 It doesn't feel anything like Say Easter time When you look at the traffic on the roads It doesn't feel like a lockdown At all 1850 Yesterday on the programme I spoke To Catherine Mahon Buckley Her mum is in a nursing home we talked about, you know, she loves to visit her and spend time with her. And say last Christmas, she spent pretty much all of Christmas Day with her. One of the family was with her all the time. And she spoke to me about how her mum, given the condition that she has, doesn't understand why people aren't visiting her. And it's heartbreaking. And here's a little clip from that piece yesterday about when... Catherine did manage to get a visit to her mum just recently on compassionate grounds.
6: You know, when I went in, first of all, she cried. And I cried. And then she thought, she thought I was the doctor. Then I went from the doctor, she thought I was dad. Then she thought, and then she asked, and I, I think, you know, there's always a, a, a fun element to things. She said to me, um, can I just ask you, when did you join the family? And I said, well, I think... I joined it when you conceived me. But maybe you're trying to tell me, um, am I adopted? And she roared laughing, you know. Yeah. Um, but That's hard in itself. It's very hard.
4: To, 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 you know.
6: Yeah, it's very, very hard. And uh, you'd know sometimes, and she's a great actress, I suppose that's where I got it from, because yeah. you'd know, she, by looking at her, I suppose I know her, it's a little bit like, I'm sure you know your children, you can nearly read them before what they're going to say to you. There are times I know she, she doesn't know me, but she's... Um, trying to find your way. Yes. And, you know, try and put yourself into that situation. That must be very frightening, PJ.
4: Yeah, Catherine was wondering, how is there some way we can facilitate this coming Christmas to be with those loved ones in the nursing homes, around, particularly around the big day itself? Ty Daly from Nursing Homes Ireland joins me. Ty, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Heartbreaking time for families. How are they going to deal with this? What are they going to do?
12: Yeah, absolutely. It is heartbreaking to listen to Catherine speaking so eloquently there about the the challenges and uh, look it has been an incredibly difficult number of months for for the residents uh, and families and also for staff in nursing homes but despite this you know uh, we have been heroic in in maintaining people's spirits and it's good to hear that Catherine had a visit recently what we're working with as an organisation with with the Health Protection Surveillance Centre and the Department of Health is to uh, review the guidelines uh, coming up to Christmas obviously Christmas is a special time in all houses and a nursing home is that person's own home Uh, so we'd be confident uh, you know that we will have, a, I suppose, revised guidelines coming up to Christmas which will look at this issue of ensuring that everybody gets a visit, uh, you know, over Christmas. Obviously, with, with fairly strict uh, conditions around it, I suppose, if you like, because we do need to maintain, uh, you know, the public health guidance. Uh, you know, visits will have to be scheduled, obviously. And again, back to the point by, by, by your GP uh, earlier, you know, people need to, we all need to double down, as it were, to ensure that we can get into a position where uh, all nursing homes, public, private and voluntary, can get back into a position where we can facilitate their yeah. yeah, visits. So I'd be confident that over Christmas people will get an opportunity, um, but it obviously won't be anything like the Christmases of, of, of last year, uh, or, or indeed of old. But which, which is terribly
4: unfortunate. You know when people sit down to have these discussions, Tige, like, and, and they're meeting across mm-hmm. the table or on Zoom wherever they meet. Are the families represented at that meeting?
12: Yeah, not quite. Well, I mean, what we have is is through the expert panel recommendations. There's a number of advocacy groups involved. And, you know, I suppose obviously we're a representative organisation for the the operators or the providers. But, you know, we we would see ourselves as, as an advocate for older people as well. I mean, we all share a common goal and the common goal is to ensure that the residents in nursing homes get the best possible standard of care, and that we can come to a position whereby we can get safe visiting. Clearly, none of us want to introduce uh, COVID into any residential care facility, and that, you know, that is a a risk, but we've got to balance that risk, obviously, with ensuring the the well-being, because that's the issue. It's the well-being of older people who reside in nursing home care. And look, staff have been heroic uh, in terms of, as I say, maintaining community spirit uh, and, and, and maintaining people's spirits, but you know, it'll never, it'll, you'll never be family. Uh, so there's a, there's a commitment on our part, I can assure you, as Nothing Ireland, to lead on this. Uh, but we do need, obviously, very strong advice, guidance, and support from public health in the first instance, and also from the public at large. Because if we, if we have high levels of community transmission, uh, you know, my fear is that that would impact on all yeah. our ability to move, uh, to introduce, uh, to reintroduce uh, visits on, on compassionate grounds again over, over Christmas.
4: Is there a case to be made for, and as Professor McConkey was speaking to me earlier on this morning, these cheaply available, widely available antigen tests to be mm. available to people who want to go visit nursing homes?
12: Yeah, I mean, we've had that conversation, I can assure you, uh, just as late as this morning, speaking to officials in the Department of Health around that. I mean, the public health advice on the antigen test isn't as strong maybe as we would like it it to be. Uh, As you know, at the moment, all staff in nursing homes are tested every two weeks uh, through the PCR test. Um, So the, the the variability... And I'm not an expert in this area, uh, I might add, but the the variability, rather, uh, in terms of antigen testing is not strong enough, is what I'm hearing from public health. Uh, But clearly, if it's another part of the the toolkit, if you like, of the armory to ensure we can uh, get back to safe visiting, uh, you know, we will do that, obviously. But we do need to uh, ensure that, you know, that the the antigen test, as it were, uh, stands up to scrutiny, if you like.
4: Ty, seeing as I haven't had an opportunity to speak to you in quite a long time, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to put something to you with regard to the first wave of, of COVID-19 back in yep. the early part of the year. There was, how shall I put it, a bit of a, a set two between yourself and Nursing Home Ireland and the authorities with regard to locking down the nursing homes. And you and your association stood by your guns and you knocked them down. You locked them them down when we look back on this when it's eventually over will questions have to be asked about how the authorities looked at nursing homes in the very early days
12: yeah look clearly the covid committee uh, met over a number of months in the summer the the minister established an expert panel and i think you know there is uh, a view now which would support what you've just said there is that uh, we would argue that the nursing home sector uh, was probably ignored in the early part of the first wave. Unfortunately, uh, all of the the focus was almost exclusively on the acute hospital system. We were hearing about you know how would the how would the public hospital system cope with a wave? We were hearing about you know the need for ICU uh, and to keep you know um, I suppose younger people. And you know if I'm honest. Um, you know I think there was an element of ageism there um, in, in terms of the approach that was taken now people will, will I'm sure argue with that, with that point um, but I suppose you know we, we don't necessarily want to get into finger pointing but I think you're right that when we look back in time to come on how the first wave was handled I mean clearly at the early stage uh, the nursing home sector and residential care generally uh, wasn't as high a priority as it should have been now that said uh, to be fair to Minister Harris and indeed government and, and the HSE and others, uh, once once the engagement uh, and collaboration got going, uh, we did manage uh, to put very, very good systems and processes mm. in place in terms of PPE, in terms of serial testing, uh, and we've seen that in the summertime, whereby the numbers of clusters were closing almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Because ultimately, PJ, the, the, the impact in the nursing home sector is in direct correlation to the impact in the community. If there's high incidence of 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 COVID in any community, then the 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 risk uh, and the proportionality. <laughs> it, of it will it. get
4: into the nursing homes.
12: Yeah. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Right. But look, we're in a much better place. Uh, I think it's important to end on a on a positive note. We yes. know we're ah, yes. we are in a in a much much better place. Thankfully, uh, look, it's been tragic uh, for for all of us that that walk in the sector, but more particularly for the families that have lost loved ones. And uh, we need to remember that uh, in all that we do and uh, ensure that we can continue to support uh, the families in terms of ensuring safe visits at Christmas and, and um, making sure that, that that Christmas will be a special time for all of us.
4: Well, as soon as we have a solid plan on that, we may come back to you. Thank you very much for that. That's Ty Daly from Nursing Homes, Ireland. As soon as we have some... They are working, they are talking, they are trying to you know, pull all the pieces of the picture together and, and have something in place for people like Catherine and like Mick and like others to go and visit their loved ones in nursing homes over Christmas. It won't be the same as it's always been, but they'll have to be doing something. You cannot leave thousands of people alone in a nursing home bed on Christmas Day. You just can't. Got to be able to do something for them. The Opinion Line with PJ
3: Coogan on Courts 96 FM.
4: Yeah, getting to that... The future of both Dublin Zoo and Photo Wildlife Park. Photo Wildlife Park issued a statement yesterday, also uh, with relation to its future. And it's been losing money hand over fist. And keeping animals is expensive, and it needs gate receipts to help to to pay for that kind of thing. So we'll catch up with Photo Wildlife Park and look at that there in just a moment. We must also do another round of this.
3: Corks 96 FM's 10k toy giveaway with Johnson and Parrot,
9: Douglas Bishopstown, and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at JPMG.ie. I'll give you everything that
4: you want. Yeah, two bite, two bites of this particular cherry on the opinion line today. Do your cue to call around about half eleven. I'd say about 25 minutes time you'll hear your cue to call when you hear it call us back or uh, text to whatsapp brother text to whatsapp 083 396 96 96 and then we'll call you we'll select someone the computer will randomly select somebody we'll call them back they need to answer a simple question and they'll be in the day to draw after 6 to win one of two 500 euro shopping sprees we had a winner from this program yesterday and we've had one qualifier already today we'll pick a second around about half past 11 and both of our qualifiers go forward then to the draw this evening with Lorraine on the big drive home. It's the Cork's 96 m 10k toy giveaway with Johnston Parrott, Douglas, Bishopstown, and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. 1850 715 996 is the number to call. The text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email, opinion at 96 of M dot I E. Twitter at opinion line 96. And Facebook, the Cork's 96 of M Facebook page. Send us a message through that page, but please do, if you can, mark it for the attention of the opinion line. Some people are not amused that I said, and I said, come here, come here, till I tell you, The school is not your babysitter. I said that, I stand over that. Some people not particularly impressed with me saying that, Other people thought it was a great laugh. I'll get to those comments in the fullness of time. But first of all, we are very worried now, or people in general are very worried about the future of institutions like Dublin Zoo and of institutions here locally. Like Fota Wildlife Park. Now, the Taoiseach has promised that there will be financial assistance for both Fota and Dublin Zoo who are struggling with the pandemic. Before the Taoiseach made his statement yesterday and made his comments, Fota had issued a statement to say that Fota had an average of 460,000 visitors per year and that visitor income amounts to about 5 million euro annually. The overall impact of the pandemic has meant a loss of 20% in numbers and income for 2020. Now, Sean McKeown, the director of the park, says we're currently able to fund the running of the park until March 2021. But after that, Sean, if we keep going the way we're going, it's a bit bleak, isn't it? Good morning.
10: Yeah. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it is a bit bleak. I suppose the reason around that is that Easter would be our normal busy time. So most uh, of the losses that, or, or the decrease in visitor numbers, we had took took place during Easter. Uh, so we lost about ninety thousand visitors between the um, closure in in mid March um, to reopening on the twentieth of May. So it, it, it's it's uh, that period of the year is a big boost to our finances um oh. and and we're, we're like any other uh, hospitality business we are very busy during the summer and uh, at school mid midterm breaks and things but uh, during the winter time it's 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 quite bleak how much do you actually
4: need in the bank every month to feed and care for your animals
10: um for this time of year it's about three hundred and fifty thousand. uh just to, to feed uh, to run the to run the park basically, uh, that includes the staff. Uh, feed feed costs would run at around uh, thirty five to forty thousand. Um, it's slightly higher in the winter time because the animals are spending more time indoors. Mm. Things like our giraffes uh, and, and, and zebras and bison and things like that that it would be out grazing on grass. Um, Obviously, don't you know, grass growth isn't as good, so they have to be fed more more things like hay and etc., mm-hmm. which we have to buy in. So, in in some ways, winter is more expensive from the animal side. Um, there are heating costs as well, um, which we obviously don't have during the summer.
4: Yeah. Now, you said that financially you would have been okay until early March. If the Taoiseach hadn't stepped in in the last 24 hours, what might have been the prospect
10: then? Um, they would be, you know, staffly, um, just having a minimal staffing level of uh, animal staff and uh, a few maintenance people and um, operating at a level where we'd be spending maybe a hundred and eighty thousand a month. So, uh, and, and that would just be keeping things going. Yeah, t- trading over, and we can do that maybe for a few months more, but um, not much more.
4: The hard thing to understand is why something like a a big open space like that fantastic wildlife park that you can't be letting the public in.
10: Oh well, we 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 are open to the public at the moment. Uh, we 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 uh, never closed uh, at all since okay. reopening. Uh, Dublin Zoo is closed. Um, I suppose we are very much, we're a larger park. Well, maybe you should be open.
4: shouting that a bit more from the rooftops that you are open. Because yeah, we,
10: we, 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 we actually say it in our, in our press release. Um, it's just that this time of year, we don't actually get many visitors. Uh, we did have a thousand people in last Sunday, close to a thousand. Um, and it's, it's all determined around weather. Uh, yeah, of course. That's 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 a big issue during the weather, and uh, we have been moving to more indoor areas. Like we had a tropical house. We have more indoor viewing areas for the lions and 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 um, giraffes, etc. But we've had to close those because of uh, the restrictions. Yeah. So currently, the people can come to the park, but it's just a, a, a walk around. Um, yeah. There, there, there is a takeaway coffee, and that's about it. It's about the size
4: of it, yeah. So, the, the issue stepping in will have uh, breathed a, a a real
10: sigh of relief at that. Absolutely, uh, I think we were slightly different than in, in Dublin Zoo. Dublin Zoo has got considerable amount of uh, capital funding, um, you know, from the mid nineties uh, onwards up until about uh, five six years ago. Uh, we never got any funding in government funding in Cork. It's it's a um, a very different situation, um, and uh, that's the other thing about you know we may be able to stay open, but there are, there are other issues that we have to deal with. One, particularly around flooding. Yeah, uh, the lower end of the park, the lake areas, it does suffer from flooding. And we had during Storm Ellen, we had quite um, high tides and uh, water coming over the sea wall, etc. So mm. there are things that like that that are not sort of day-to-day animal issues, but are structural issues that need to be undertaken. And we had, it was planned as part of our, of our uh, works during 2020 to actually yeah. do that and take care of that, but it, it, that hasn't been possible.
4: Had you anything that has had to be scuppered?
10: Any plans that had to be? Oh, yeah, we we, we had a, a new, um, we had that seawall, um, we call it our southern seawall um that was uh, supposed to be raised by about a foot, uh, foot and a half, and um, repairs done to it. Um, we also had a new uh, monkey house being built, and um, we're also trying to stabilise the edges of the islands because, or, and, and the edges of the lakes because they're being eroded away bit by bit. So um, those were projects that we had planned in 2020 and. Um, not going to happen in in twenty twenty one either, yeah. um, which is a worrying time. I mean, the
4: stability of jobs is another thing for your staff. How many staff do you have, John?
10: Uh, at the books at the moment, it's, it's about sixty three or four people. So, in summertime time, that would double, go up to uh, close to a hundred, and, uh, and that doesn't include catering staff and other. Um, um, staff that we have in from other companies working here, so
4: and we're, we're worrying old times. So the teacher's intervention, very, very
10: welcome. Uh, yeah, and the the other big thing for for us is that and uh, and what to the local economy is that uh, we know that FOTA, the people that come to FOTA, particularly during the summer period, more than half of those are holidaying in the area, um, and they're spending at least five six days in the area mm. on average. Um, they spend half of those are staying in hotels um, the other half in other various forms of accommodation but they're spending a lot in the area and it amounts to somewhere in the region of uh, between 190 and 200 million yeah. a year so it's it's a huge boost to um, the commercial and uh, particularly um, hotels and uh, you know the, the, the tourism um, aspects of the region yeah
4: look, it's great that the teacher has stepped in I'm, I'm delighted that you said that you are open even though I you know 5 kilometre restrictions and all that, yes, they, they really affect that but look, you are open if anyone wants to go along on a weekend if they're within the distance and the weather is good you'll, you'll welcome them in, which is great to see and we'll catch up again, Sean thank you very much, Sean McKeown Director of Fota Wildlife Park they had enough money, 350 grand a month to keep the place ticking over food, wages, all that. Food for the animals, wages, maintenance, and fifty grand a month. They had enough in the bank and have enough people coming in the door to keep going until March of 2021. They wouldn't have been able to do it after that if things had been keep going the way that they are. So hopefully the uh, decision by the Taoiseach that there will be help for Bifota and for Dublin Zoo... We'll be welcome and we'll get them out of that corner and before anybody, and I know they will, I know they will, we'll have them be, well now zoos are terrible places and we shouldn't be having zoos and we should... Let's have a listen to what the actual voice of authority says about that.
10: Well I think the zoos perform a very valuable function as they always have. The practice, the practical ways in which you run zoos have changed hugely. Uh, The emphasis on breeding, for example, is of great importance, and the emphasis on education has increased extraordinarily over the last 50 years, and uh, zoos can do things that nothing else can do. You don't actually know what an elephant is like unless you've seen one standing alongside it, and we can't all going to the plains of East Africa. So I, I welcome zoos and applaud zoos, and I think they are a very, very important uh, element.
4: So if you going to tell me why we shouldn't have zoos, tell him, God himself, Mr Attenborough, tell him why he's wrong. 185715996 The opinion line
3: on courts 96 FM
9: With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie Courts
3: 96
4: FM A couple of things I promise you before we finish today first of all when a politician actually takes responsibility for a crap decision doesn't happen here but it happened Overseas, Tell you about that. Also, a little project we want you to take part in with the opinion line coming up to Christmas. I'll explain all that for you. And the fact that people have been um, reacting to my comment. Okay, I was being a little bit cheeky. I know my comment about schools not being babysitting services. We get to all of that and loads, loads more besides, including another round of the 10K toy giveaway, which will happen in the next 10 Minutes, Eugene, you are a mine of information. And the executive research desk has even added to it. Eugene says, MGM's first lion was called Slats and was born in Dublin Zoo. I think the most recent lion was also from Dublin Zoo. Now we can add to that, it would appear that a second lion, MGM's second lion, was called Carbra and also came from Dublin Zoo. But MGM also now just call all their lions Leo. Uh, the, the old media exposure wasn't great uh, for years with the lion. So now they just call them Leo. And they don't like people drawing attention to the fact that different lions have been used. They change lion when improving their cinematography means that the intro gets dated looking. What they mean by that is, you know the MGM start where you see the lion, the lion comes out. Well, you see, if you're using an old lion from the 70s in a new film in 2020, that lion is going to look old and dated and grainy, so they they just call them all Leo. Where do we go with this one? Thank you, Eugene, and thank you, Executive Research Desk. Mark says we should be visiting animals in their natural habitat. It's more educational, economical, environmentally friendly, and it'll provide work in the third world. It could turn a third world country into a second world country, says Mark in Bantry. Mark in Bantry are probably right, but as Lord Attenborough says, can't always achieve that. We can't all get to the plains of Africa. 1850, Let me read you the first couple of pages of a gorgeous little book. It was the 24th of December in the year 2020, and under the tree there were presents aplenty. The children were sleeping tucked up in their beds, yet still there were worries that ran through their heads. Their year had been bullied by COVID-19. So many changes their lives had now seen. People wore face masks and kept social distance. It felt like the virus had changed their existence. Now you'll recognize the tone of the poem tonight before Christmas, but tis a whole new version and a, a gorgeous Gorgeous little book. Anna O'Connor, good morning to you.
7: Hi, good morning.
4: What is the story behind this beautiful little book?
7: Uh, So it's called Santa's Magic Mask and it's basically a children's story to kind of tell them how Santa can still call this year even though there's a pandemic on. And um, I decided to write it after some of the children that I babysit were expressing their worries to me and asking me how Santa was going to call this year. Because, you know, we can't visit each other's houses, we can't travel, and, and that's what Santa does. So uh, I wrote this story for them and for, you know, other kids to try and hope that, tell them, don't be worried, he can still come. Yeah.
4: It's it's so simple and so beautifully illustrated.
7: Thank you, <laughs> yeah. Um, Danny Foley, the artist, is just unbelievable. He's so, so talented, so he did gorgeous illustrations for it.
4: Yeah, I love the bit there's one of it and so their young minds began to run wild as minds often do when you're only a child <laughs> it's this wonderful picture of youngsters running after their brains which are right it's just so so good and would good old Saint Nick be able to call with Dasher and Donner and Blitzen and all if Santa was visiting every child how could he stop the virus run wild is it selling well
7: it's unbelievable. The response has been amazing. You know, we uh, we initially were even just doing it for kids that we know and family, friends and stuff. But all the children just love it. Some of them have declared it their favourite Christmas story, which is uh, quite a nice compliment to get. And um, we've just been inundated with orders now. And it's just it's so surreal because we didn't really anticipate any of it. But it's just really nice to see it getting a good response. Where can
4: people get it, Anna?
7: Uh, SantasMagicMask.com
4: Oh, it has got a website no of course you have a you have a scientific background yourself
7: mhm i do yeah i've uh, been involved in the young scientists competition and all of that kind of thing so uh mm. i do a bit a of, bit, bit of both
4: yeah. so you you'll appreciate how kids get get so frightened and the, the youngsters that you that you babysit like how we, we're we all going, other than buying this wonderful book, we're, we're all faced with the young ones, or many faced with the young ones in their lives now, frightened about Santa. And, of course, they tell us. We've been on to the North Pole frequently, and the North Pole tell us there's nothing to worry about, nothing at all. And and even talking to the air traffic controllers, there'll be no problem.
9: Mm-hmm.
4: But, at the same time, youngsters get worried.
7: Definitely. I mean, they're so, so intelligent. Even I saw it at the Young Scientist competition, there used to be these tiny children running around to everyone's projects and asking questions that were harder than the judges and harder than the scientists that were there. They're just so intuitive. They're so tuned in. So, you know, we we really need to explain these things to them because they have the questions and they do generally have the understanding. So it's just trying to get to the answers to those questions across to them and letting them
4: know that everything will be okay all right well Santa's magic mask and this is a, it's it's a wonderful wonderful little little creation and well, so yourself, and well done to yourself and well done to Danny Anna thank you very much that's Anna O'Connor santa's magicmask.com and remember tell them PJ said it tell them Anna said it tell them we've all been on to the North Pole there's no problem there's no problem because I know the little ones are worried. And they are asking at night, Mom, will will Santa be able to come now? Because if we have a lockdown, will Sa- Santa don't know nothing about lockdowns. Doesn't care about lockdowns. He's immune from lockdowns. Santa can go wherever he wants. Whenever he wants. Don't worry about Christmas. 1850 715 Teachers. Now, we were talking about the schools and I got... Some clarification from Michael Gillespie, in fact, a lot of clarification from Michael Gillespie of the TUI as to what they said about schools and closing a couple of days early at Easter time. And the point, he said, was it has merit. They didn't look for it. It has merit. Because those last two days, the Monday and the Tuesday, as they'd be this year, so there's not much being done on those days anyway. And to give people time to get home and maybe isolate a bit and then celebrate over the Christmas with There's merit in it. They didn't call for it. And I sort of said, well, straight away I could see the the text coming in, what about childcare? Who's going to mind the children if they're off the school? And sure, I can imagine. Listen, I went through this myself. I went through this myself. But I did happen to mention that, look, your child, your school is not your, your babysitter. Caller says the schools are not babysitters. but You can't just change an arrangement in any area with short notice. There are families with one, two and three people working from home. It's even hard for the secondary pupils to find a place and time to study. We've already lost a lot of time this year and that affects families as both employees who lose time and students who need to catch up. Which is fair point. It's a difficult time. PJ, I must say you exasperate me sometimes. You said school isn't a babysitting service. Okay, but the teachers aren't working for nothing. They're hardly volunteers, and we, the workforce, are keeping them in well-paid jobs. Well, most of them, anyway. Love the programme, says Helen. Then Rachel says, Why can't the teachers continue teaching properly on the Monday and the Tuesday? What's wrong with moving on to the next chapter, getting ahead of some of the work, as opposed to all they want to do less? In my opinion, students have lost so much during the year and are probably behind in some shape or form overall. We're all changing traditions this year. Why can't teachers stop moaning and change their tradition of plays and things? Why Why not just keep going? What's with this winding down attitude? Do proper work on the Monday and the Tuesday instead, says Rachel. Go on, PJ, you legend. Best reply ever. But you're right, your school is not your babysitter. That's from Esther. 1850 715 996. Keep working into the Monday and the Tuesday with kids who just want out the gap. (laughs) Good luck with that. 1850 715 996.
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM with Lehan Motors,
9: leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
4: Shall we do it again?
3: or WhatsApp now on 083 396 96 96
9: for your chance to play our 10k toy giveaway
3: Corks 96 FM
9: my first ever festival, you guys took me there I met Lewis Quali My favourite thing about going to Indy that time was Obviously meeting Lewis Capaldi But it was the toasted sandwiches I didn't care about anything else We can never tell the likes of Lewis Capaldi or Wild Youth That a toasted sandwich outdid them By a mile Oh we are some crack at a festival Oh yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> Got me feeling so good Lorraine and Demi Lorraine
9: and Demi Live, Live. Why would a person want to listen to our show? Because I'm here I mean, why would a person want to listen to your show? Don't do (laughs) that.
3: Lorraine and Demi, live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. On the best music mix. Courts, 96 FM. (laughs) This is Courts, Gold Imro award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
9: Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96.
3: On Courts, 96 FM.
9: Yeah, text
4: the WhatsApp is open 083-396-9696. 96 96. We'll pick a contestant for the second round in the Opinion Line today of the 10K Toy Giveaway. We'll do that in a couple of minutes' time. Something I want to let you know about is we're obviously off the air over Christmas, but this year, for the first time ever, we are doing the Opinion Line Christmas Rewind shows. We'll run a few shows, just short programs, about an hour in duration, on the days between Christmas and New Year. now we're going to start putting it all together in the next week or so. What we want you to do is help us with it. A bit of work involved in this. We want to pick moments, interviews, guests, incidents, something that made you laugh, something that gave you a boost, something that made you angry, something you want to hear again, something you remember that stands out from the year of the opinion line. we're going to run those in special shows between 11 and 12 on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday between Christmas and New Year. So how do you help? You simply send us an email to opinion at 96fm.ie. Tell us what particular thing you'd like to hear again. If you can remember when it was on, grand. If you can't, that's fine. We'll find it. But if there's something you heard on the opinion line this year that particularly stirred you or particularly excited you or made you laugh or made you cry whichever send us the details or roughly what you remember to opinion at 96 mem.ie we'll take a few of them into account when we're putting together the, the Christmas rewinds I'm thinking in particular to say stuff like the day I spoke to a lovely woman in Ballinacurra about how she was getting around the fact that she couldn't go out, but she was still doing her walking every day while she was cocooning. Or I'm thinking about the day that we, we started to ask, who the hell irons anyway in 2020? And we were absolutely overrun. And other ones, like the two lovely lads out in the bus who are now settling into their first Christmas in their new home, their new mobile home. Stuff like that. Uh, opinion line rewind between Christmas and New Year. So get your suggestions into us. Opinion. At 96fm.ie
3: Corks 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. With Johnson and Parish,
9: Douglas, Bishopstown, and Mahon Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. Give you that you want.
4: Yeah, second bite of the cherry for today. Another opportunity to give the draw with Lorraine on the big drive home. This evening, where she draws two winners every day for 500 euro toy shopping sprees. One of our contestants that got through from the opinion line yesterday was one of the winners last evening. Let's see if Sarah can join them. Sarah Hurley and Bandon, how are you? How-
5: Good morning, PJ. How
4: are you? Ah, sure. Great all together. So, uh, what kind of little uh, appreciative voices would be around you if you got this €500?
5: They already have it spent, PJ.
6: Half,
4: half. (laughs) How many have have you?
6: I have two.
4: Right. Ages?
6: Uh, Eleven and six.
4: Oh, this would be like Dylan win-
6: and Haley.
4: This would be like winning the lottery.
5: <laughs> oh, jeekers, Yes.
4: <laughs> all right. Well-
5: this is winning the lottery, and we're just
6: getting through.
4: listen, that's well. You know, all I can all I can promise is that we'll try to get you through to the draw. All right?
6: Thank you, PJ. Okay.
4: Okay. What I is hope
6: the it's easy now? Well, no.
4: what is the name? <laughs> what is the name of a popular cartoon pig? Is it Peppa or Percy?
6: Oh God, Peppa. Peppa, Jesus. it
4: sure is. <laughs>
5: Thank you, you sound Jesus. Like,
4: you sound like someone <laughs> who's...
5: Oh, it's horrible. It's... I went through it never again. <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah,
4: I'd fancy the Percy's The Percy's being the big jelly sweets For Marks and Spencer's I'll yes, take them anytime. But no. I will
5: as well <laughs> Thank you PJ
4: You're through to the draw Sarah Thanks a million
5: Lorraine. I can't wait Now to listen to Lorraine
4: Cheers She'll make the draw After six this evening Sarah Hurley In, in Bandon. Peppa Pig Every time you mention Peppa Pig Oh God no Peppa Pig Yeah 185715996 Percy Pigs Now Percy Pigs We can live with It was in Marks and Spencer's last weekend. I took a wander down with the daughter Saturday morning to look at the food hall in Marks and Spencer's. And there they are, pressy pigs by the half a ton. 1850, 7159. It says, I won't have a tooth left in me head by the time Christmas is over, I guess. Right, let us go on a more serious note. Yesterday morning, we were speaking to Valerie from Debenhams about an impending meeting. We didn't know when it would happen or what form it would take, but an impending meeting that the Taoiseach has said he was willing to have to discuss the ongoing situation with uh, the Debenhams workers, who are now 224 days on strike. Now, Valerie, I think that meeting has taken place this morning. Hello again.
15: That's right. It was uh, 10 o'clock this morning through Webex.
4: OK. What happened?
15: No, it was a very constructive meeting, I have to say. Um, he listened to us, Jerry spoke first and then there was three of us from shop, three shop stewards were allowed on the call. So it was myself, Michelle from Waterford and Jane from Henry Street. So we all told him, we all gave our bit and we explained things and we explained that we understand about precedent, but there's been plenty precedent has been set before now and it hasn't gone wrong for them. So he is he wants to see an end to this as well. He agrees that it should have ended a lot sooner than this. He is going to be talking to a senior member during the week and we will be having another meeting early S- next.
4: Se- Senior member of, of what did he say?
15: He didn't say what the senior member would be or who what it was part of or who it was part of.
4: So he, uh, he didn't let you know whether it was a company person or, or a KPMG person, no?
15: I, well, it's not KPMG. It's more, I'd say, it's more his... Um, A senior person on his side of his civil servants.
4: Oh, I see. Oh, I see. see. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
15: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And uh, we're meeting again early next week because he knows that it can't go on any longer. He feels that even if he waited any longer than next week for a meeting, that then it's even going on too long. So he wants to see an end to this now as well, sooner rather than later.
4: Okay. Do you feel optimistic after the meeting? Well, first of all, it was important that the shop stewards took part. You're obviously pleased that that happened.
15: Definitely, definitely. I know he wanted to have a meeting with just Jerry, but Jerry did explain to him that the shop stewards had to be available uh, to be there because, at the end of the day, it was our fight. And he listened, and he came back with the fact that there were three of us there. So, um, so that that was very, very important because it's easier then to get it out to the shops. Okay.
4: You know. Okay. Day two hundred and twenty-four. Yeah. Who who knows? We might be nearing an end. We might be.
15: He he realises he doesn't want us there over Christmas either because he realises it's going to be harder for him. His life will be um, a lot harder for us to out there. All right. You know, but no, he, I have to say now this morning, he listened to us. It was a very casual meeting. Uh, he listened to us. He understood exactly where we were coming from. And as he said himself, it has to come to an end, and he wanted the meeting sooner rather than later next
4: week. Okay. All right, Valerie, we'll we'll catch up, uh, as we always do. Thank you very much. That's Valerie Conlon, shop steward at Debenhams. uh, Mandate, of course, shop steward. They have had a meeting with the Taoiseach and herself and two other shop stewards and Gerry Light, senior official with mandate. Taoiseach has said... He wants it ended. He wants it ended before Christmas. Something has to be done. So now he's going to talk to, it sounds like, senior advisors in his department to see what, if anything, can be done to bring this to a conclusion pleasing to everybody. Because the only way you get out of this, and let's be very straight about it, the only way you get out of this is if whatever solution is put on the table pleases everybody. That's not going to be easy. I remember back to Vita Cortex how long it took, how much negotiation was involved, how hard that negotiation was, how many people sat there in corridors shaking their heads. God will we ever get out of this. But there's been movement today now with the shook We'll see where it goes. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I read a lovely Facebook page uh, this morning, early and, and last evening. Now many of the Many of the entries on it date back to like 2017, 2018, but it's an ongoing story of a young lad called ADO and, and his journey through what's been a rough old life so far, but a life through which he continues to smile. Uh, Stephen O'Brien is Edo's dad. Stephen, good morning. Uh, good morning, Peter. How are you? Good, good. It's a remarkable Facebook page. Very honest, very blunt, hard reading at times. Tell me about ADO.
13: Um, Well, uh, Edo is 12 now, um, and he was diagnosed when he was four years of age with a a very rare disease called FSGS. So that stands for focal segmental glomerular sclerosis, which is essentially um, scarring of the kidneys. And it's it's, 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 uh, snowballed from there, really. he he lost his kidneys when he was seven, um, and he was on dialysis for nearly two years, um, and he was transplanted then back in
4: twenty seventeen. Okay, so it's been a, a pretty much a roller coaster journey, you know. So he got a, a kidney transplant. Was it one, one, one or two? He got?
13: Uh, yeah, just one. Yeah. So um, my brother-in-law, uh, Tommy Barris, is his name. So Tommy, you know, um he's not a, a relation through blood, we'd say. And he ended up being a very, very good match. Mm-hmm. So just to give a bit of history to it, um, they thought that the disease that Ada got was um, genetically transmitted from me, you know. Mm-hmm. But so I was ruled out to donate, and my wife Vicky was 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 ruled out as well because she's different blood type to Ada. So it turned out then that um, Tommy was an excellent match, and he donated then on the ninth of February, twenty seventeen. So the, the the transplant surgery um, all went to plan, um, and the kidney didn't reject, which was brilliant. Yeah. But the problem was, I suppose, was uh, two weeks post-transplant, we got the dreaded news that the disease had recurred in the kidney again. Oh, now, prior, prior going into the transplant, myself and Vicky, we were aware of the risks that there was an 80% chance of a relapse. But, uh, you know...
4: It's uh, like his body is attacking the kidney.
13: So what it is is his body is producing something, producing this protein. This protein, his body then tries to get rid of the, the protein out through his kidneys. And when the protein passes through the kidney filters, it scars them and it's knocking them off one by one. So um, and wh- how that manifests itself is bubbles in the urine. So a very um, a very fraughty urine that doesn't break down. Like normally when you would say you'd have a whatever the bubbles kind of break down naturally themselves, yeah. if it those wouldn't they're full of albumin when it's called so uh that's the problem it's it's known as um, an idiopathic disease, which is kind of a fancy medical term basically of, of they don't know what caused it but it's 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 involves his immune system you know oh my goodness um oh my goodness. so it's um we've been dealing with that ever since the ever since the transplant and then he broke his arm rather badly, did he? Oh, stop, yeah. Um, things kind of just got somewhere back to normal, if you could call them normal, and yeah, we are going back into school, and he had a bad accident in school where he fell very awkwardly against the curb. He put his hand out against the curb, and another young fella that he was playing with landed on that arm, and he, he smashed it, basically. It was like a boomerang um, compound fracture, both bones, um, and um, rushed to hospital again, and he had to get two titanium rods, Put into yeah. his arm to hold it together. Now that was—we've had a lot of ups and downs on this journey, but I—I I think Vicky would agree with me. That was—that was the yeah. law. You kind of say,
4: "God Almighty, what's he done to deserve all this?" He's a tough yeah. little devil, though. He keeps smiling. Oh, he's—he's he's a legend, and um, you know, everyone has a hero.
13: He's mine, um, and yeah. he's just so resilient, so positive, um, and he's—he's he's very funny. He's a wicked sense of humor. Um, and do you know what? That has really stood him throughout all these uh, testing times. Yeah.
3: Um,
13: and he's a real people's person as well. Like if if, if he was to meet you, you know, right? He's he he wouldn't have to ask twice for your name or anything like that. He'll just always remember. And a couple of weeks down the road, then he might say like, um, he might he might ask you about that person, you know? Yeah. He's a, yeah. he's really tuned into people as well.
4: Yeah. You know. So. I think one of the purposes of writing. The blog, which, as I say is very very blunt and and, and you don't spare the horses, which do you know what it makes it an even better read. you really want to encourage people to get donor cards definitely yeah it's um it's just it's such a brilliant thing to do um i think
13: I think a lot of people aren't aware as well of the whole concept of um of live donation and um, living donor you know yeah um that's that's a brilliant thing to do as well I mean we were under the, the deceased donor list until we say uh, Tommy came forward Um, now Vicky's sisters came forward as well Um, so Vicky's my wife's younger sisters are identical twins they came forward as well to to get tested we were convinced there was going to be one of them and then it turned out that it was going to be Tommy but so the whole concept of living donor is out there as well it's it's a brilliant thing to do if
4: anyone ever wants to because we we could all survive those of us in good health could all survive on one.
13: Oh, absolutely. On one um, kidney. Absolutely. Um, no bother. Um And, you know, like, um, I work in Cork City Fire Brigade and yeah. a very good friend of mine, George Dolan, not long after um, our transplant, George uh, did a live donation, to, uh, gave a kidney to his brother, Jimmy.
4: I think I spoke to him at the time. Or I spoke kind of. Of. I did. I think. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah,
13: yeah. And um, all has gone well. And George going well. like the thing about I suppose for the person who donated the kidney is um, the other kidney then picks up the slack and it kind of yeah. it, com- it becomes I think it it glows a bit more and it becomes you know more resilient and everything. Be- so but before
4: um, I let you go, Stephen, yeah. how how mm-hmm. do we go about getting a card if we don't have one already?
13: I don't know what the text does. It's a very simple uh, process. I don't have it in front of We'll get those details. That's okay. There's a text. There's a text number. That's all it
4: is. And Um, becoming uh, a living donor. Can you? Is that through the same process?
13: uh, No, that I wouldn't be. That that would be much more kind of um, regulated and um, it's more kind of I suppose for people who are already in the situation maybe someone who knows a family Well you member know what we'll do
4: we'll follow yep. this up Stephen with a bit more mm-hmm. on how you go about being a donor and how you go about being in particular a living donor uh, so, yeah. so that we can draw more attention to the need for, for organs for young people like Edo and again the blog is fantastic and my best to him Thanks, and Peter. you coming up to Christmas and to the family Thank you so much. appreciate that. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. That's yeah. Stephen O'Brien, father of Ado. Ado's journey on Facebook. It's worth a read. It's worth a read. Listen, tomorrow we'll be talking to an eight-year-old lad from Hassick who's giving a TED Talk uh, as part, a kind of a TED Talk as part of World Children's Day tomorrow. That's Charlie. And <clears throat> uh, because apparently it's popular 'm we'll be catching up on what's been happening in I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. All right, all right. I give in. I give in. Program edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, and we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. The
3: Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM with Lehan Motors, leading the
9: way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See
6: lehanmotors.ie.